They're gonna enter your ears through headphones or car speakers to make a subscriber out of you. Because they sleep with their mics and get around on their bikes to save money for sipping on brews. Because the Zoom never works, and that's just one of the perks of doing this shit across state lines. Coordinating with all your friends, give your friend Mason the pen, so's when he's late that he can't fucking whine. They said all podcasters scare the living shit out of me. They could care less, just let them get up to pee During two-hour records when the audience is bored You think that they're done, but here comes our three The co-hosts riffing, they jive to keep their boners alive Because they can't get enough of their voice But if you throw them some change, you get a sticker that's strange In 8 to 12 weeks, then you rejoice They said all podcasters scare the living shit out of me They could care less, just let them get up to pee During two-hour records, when the audience is bored You think they're done, but here comes hour three A long ass break. So, get it, do what you need to do now. Cause you're not gonna be able to do it. They said, "Oh, podcast to scare the living shit out of me." They could care less. Just let them get up to pee during two-hour records when the audience is bored. You think they're done, but here comes our three. All together now! But it's still a living shit out of me. They can kill us, just let them get up to me. Going to all reports, and the audience is bored. You think they're done, but here comes our three. Ah! But it's still a living shit out of me. They can kill us, just let them get up to me. Going to <laughs> I don't got anything else. That's actually it. You don't got anything else. You don't got it. So, so the, yeah, the podcast is over. I mean, honestly, I would respect that. I would respect if you just literally mic dropped and left. Uh, yeah. I dropped the mic. <laughs> Ready? Here we go. Oh, fuck. No, your parodies are one of my favorite parts of this podcast, and that was one of the best ones I've heard. Thank I you. It's I the only that. good part of the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, Agreed. thank you for that, Carter. Uh, well, right, let me say it. thank you for guests who who maybe we don't know who they are yet because they haven't been introduced guest yet. X. Yeah, mysterious guest, guest X. Um, yeah, that album is so good. It really <laughs> it's is genuinely it, yeah. so good. It kicks so much ass. It's one of those albums where, like, I decided for a while that I was too cool for it. Totally. Like, from age, like, 15 to, like, age 20, probably. And then I, like, went back to it, and I was like, no, this band is incredible. That yes. That album and Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge are just, like, fucking perfect. Yeah. It's... I I will take Welcome to the Black Parade over Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. I think I just have more sentimental attachment to it. But sure. But they're both good. 
They're both all right. They're both okay. You know? Mason, what are you taking? What do you mean? Between the two. Between Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. I wasn't much of a My Chemical Romance kid growing up. I got an emo- I got some emotional attachment to that the s- teenagers to uh, the title track "Welcome to the Black Parade." Uh, Listen to that with that's that song a lot with my friend Alex Bahaviolis a lot. We loved the piano intro, and and when your father brought you into the city to see the marching band, yeah. uh, and then the rest of that song, full albums. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, except for this Not show, me. no one's listening to full albums. <laughs> That's kind of the whole deal is that you yeah, don't you don't actually yeah. have to listen to full albums unless you do a podcast. Kind of cool. Yeah. No, I was a weird class. I was a weird, uh, they don't make music like they used to, lay classic rock. Yeah. No, so that doesn't like surprise my, me at all. Yeah, my, my thing that I thought I was, that I was too cool for from ages 15 through 20 was Elton John <laughs> in college. That you one were time, too cool for Elton John? I thought I was too cool for Elton John. Damn, bro. Yeah. You Which fucked up like for that one. Absurd. Absurd. Elton, El- absurd. You heard Tiny Dancer recently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> listen to, uh, ever listen to uh, Love Lies Bleeding, Funeral for a Friend? Oh, ever just walk back from the train listening to... Um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the full album. Great double album. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is. Welcome to It's on the List. This is the podcast mm-hmm. about underrated albums, movies, not listening to full albums because you're a late classic rock epic teen. Yep. <laughs> thinking, thinking that you're too good for that shit. Not listening yep. to full albums because you're like, why would I listen to a full album when I have the greatest hits album right here on my <laughs> iTunes? Uh, that's kind of what this show is. Uh, I am, of yeah. course, Funny Talking Baby, Noe M from school, Noah Marger with me as always, Funny Talking Dog, Sleepy Joe Biden, my friend. ACDC's Greatest Hits. <laughs> ACDC's Greatest Hits. You and my dad should talk about ACDC's <laughs> Greatest Hits. He legitimately is like still invested in what is going on with ACDC. I don't even know if they still are most of those guys like dead or not in the band at this point even like that's how much I'm not like I don't know they're they're definitely still touring because I mean they will fill out arenas until they all literally die but like yeah yeah, the the brothers the brothers are still in the band so like Maybe, maybe he died. Maybe Angus Young finally fucking. No, I think Angus remember. Young is still around. I think that's. Yeah. I think that's right. Uh, their most recent that? release came out last year. Actually, twelve songs on Power Up. Sure. No. Right. It, yes. Rock big. On. I'm gonna say big yes to Power Up by ACDC. <laughs> the most listened to track, fifty million plays. Shot in the yeah. dark. Yeah. No, that's about right. Good for them, dude. Yeah, good, good for those wow. fucking assholes. I mean, yeah, like, like they're one of those bands where it's like, you know, like people in fucking like Sweden and Thailand. It doesn't matter like what country you live in. There are like thousands of people who like ACDC. So, I'm like, sure that there's like, yeah, there's got to be like Thai uh, football players coming out to uh, Thunderstruck or whatever, you know? Or, yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like they are they are the perfect band for any sporting event. They're the perfect band for a strip club. They're the perfect band for, like, <laughs> the right kind of bar. Like, they yeah. are eternal, even if, like, most of their music is not necessarily good. Every night, every night someone is having the worst night of their life, and that night is getting scored to AC. <laughs> yeah. 
I uh, normally I know that we're recording on the later side, so I didn't make you guys sit through it. But normally I make Mason watch me put on all my podcast gear to Thunderstruck before we record <laughs> every single time. And I'm like, Mason, if you talk during this, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna fucking fly to Chicago and kick your fucking ass Damn. up and down yeah. Harrison. Is it Harrison Boulevard? Harrison Street. Okay, Boulevard's cooler. Yeah. Boulevard is cooler. I wish uh, every street in Chicago should be a boulevard, but that's a conversation for another day. That's a conversation for another podcast. Speaking of podcasts, should we actually introduce the, th- the mysterious third voice that we've been hearing? Yes, I'm Mason. I'm Mason M. from, oh, yeah, you uh, from Chicago. Yeah. yeah, Mason M. from Chicago. Mason M. from uh, the, what is it, the uh, Misconnections uh, site on Craigslist? That's you? Yes. I've been seeing your I'm name Mason popping from- up a lot. <laughs> you were... You were the hot bikini babe uh, juggling chainsaws on the corner of Addison and uh, Halstead. I was Mason M. from It's on the List with Noah and Mason. <laughs> the podcast about underrated ACDC tracks. We just go through the entire catalog. But I'm going to introduce the guest that we have today. We got Please a, do. Truly a very special guest uh, in as far as this show is concerned. Uh, I would just say in general, probably, but like especially in, in this the way the show is concerned. So let's get him. Let's get him at formally introduced here. Our guest today, <clears throat> senior contributor and part owner of everybody's favorite online culture mag, Merry Go Round Magazine. Mm-hmm. Woo! The host and producer of Vague Booking. Woo woo! And most importantly, and this is not said flippantly. This is not said with any disrespect. <laughs> most importantly. Uh, the reason we do this stupid fucking show and have been doing it yep. for the last two plus years. So please welcome back for the third time, officially the third time, Carter Moon. Carter, thank you for being here. Hello, hello. It genuinely fills my heart with joy that a dumb idea that I had and forced on Noah has gone on for this long. Here's what I'll say. Type of creative input to just be able to be like, "Hey, you should do this thing," and then I just wipe my hands of it completely. Yeah, unless you do everything else. You you lobbed a grenade behind you and like put on sunglasses in slow motion. I said, "said Have the worst two years of your life." Good fucking riddance, asshole. To both of us, you said that to you. Parent trapped us. I didn't know that you would be trapped together through a pandemic doing this thing. I didn't foresee that. Or across a, or across yeah, state I lines, I even. Thought, like, I thought you would is... both live in L.A. It'd be a fun little thing to do. It'd be a fun way to, like, make new friends. <laughs> That's all I thought I was suggesting. Yeah. Dead fucking wrong, brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wrong in every sense of the word. I, um, I will say, I feel like you guys have made some friends through this show, right? You yeah, Mason. <laughs> <and show. laughs> Mary Moreno, you wouldn't have met Mary Moreno, and we all love Mary Moreno. That's true. She's a friend of the show. Yeah, I feel like I've done, I've met more people doing this show than, than I've, I, I've brought on my fair share of friends, of Mason's friends, but this, if most of the guests have been, we'll call them Noe's picks, <laughs> and I have gotten, <laughs> I've had uh, a pleasure and a delight meeting all of them. You so. Meeting Thomas. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> meeting Rocky. Thomas. Thomas yeah, I was say, you didn't know Rocky, right? Before... No, but Rocky and I had like a lot of. Uh, uh, it was almost inevitable that we would cross paths at some point. Totally. I feel like just our sort of like cosmic, our cosmic web was like pretty pretty cosmic gumbo. For, 
Yeah. Yeah, the cosmic gumbo. The co- I, we were joking about before how it was a cosmic gumbo. That's a reference to I think you should leave season two, by the way. So if you haven't seen I think you should leave season two, uh, you're fucked on that one. So always fun to yeah. call out what you're referencing with your friends <laughs> when they're giving you a shitty blank stare <laughs> in the Zoom then, chat right now. Yeah. 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 Kind of a it cosmic was, That's gumbo. the first rule of comedy. My, yeah. my friend Alec wore a Dan Flash's shirt to a Halloween party the other weekend and nobody knew what it was it was very upsetting it was that's like, unfortunate me that's and not alec on and my him. girlfriend no it's not on him at all me alec and my girlfriend were the only ones who were stoked about his shirt and we were so stoked about the pattern it was very complicated and <laughs> probably cost him like it. almost a thousand dollars did he just me. lie on the couch all all night he should have done that he should have just <laughs> laid on the couch and been like nobody knows what my shirt is this is bullshit <laughs> i just want to go to shops at the creek i want this party to be over so i can go to shops at the creek Damn, that is so unfortunate, been, dude. It was, it was, it was lame. It was very lame. Everybody at that party sucked. Actually, I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. It was uh, our good pal Jimmy Evans. It was his birthday party. It was a great. Oh, time, oh. there you go. Shout out to Jimmy, yeah. former guest of this show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sweet boy, Jimmy Evans from the Pine Grove episode. But um, oh, yeah. the Pine Grove episode. <laughs> oh God, damn it, the Pine Grove episode. Yes, bro. <laughs> Um, Carter, what's, uh, we, last time we talked to you, it was literally the beginning of the pandemic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now we are almost, almost two, oh, it's somewhere between a year and a half and two years into this damn thing. What's up? <laughs> what's uh, going on? Well, I, in that time I was unemployed for big chunks of it. Let's I go. worked for the census, which was weird as fuck. It was it was fun, but it was like very bizarre to like go knock on people's doors and have them yell through the door, being like, "I won't talk to you. Yep. You're gonna breathe on me and kill me." Yep. And then there'd be mm. other people who'd open the door, and it would just be like they'd be like, "No mask on, nothing." They'd get right in my face. They'd like want to look at the phone where I was putting in their answers and be like, "No, no, no, you didn't spell that right." It was fucking mm. terrible. Jesus Christ! Um, I worked for a city council candidate uh, for a little bit right before the election, which meant. Uh, things like uh, having Trump guys yell at me a lot. I had like a guy who was like, I want to vote for Joe Biden, but I make $400,000 a year and he's going to really screw me as a small business owner. Nice. And nice. I was like, cool, sir, I make less than $30,000 a year. You can kindly go get fucked. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Yeah, Jesus so Christ. That, was, that was cool. That was a fun experience to have. Um, and then, yeah, I, you know, I, other than that, it's just kind of been hanging out, vibing, watching a lot of movies. I've watched all of The Sopranos. I'm about to, I'm literally in the last episode of The Sopranos, savoring it oh, for tomorrow. Oh, shit, dude. Oh, my God. I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, um, shit. Um, that's my whole life at this point is The Sopranos. Uh, my girlfriend is sick of hearing about it. She has not watched a single episode of the Jesus show. Christ. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm sure she's loving that. I'm sure that you're yeah, just, you coming home being like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? What are you doing? That's what I do. I come home and I'm just like, I'm just like, there's no gabagool in the fridge? What the fuck is this? What have you been fucking doing all day? I'm at work making this a 30000 a year. There's no fucking gabagool on the table. Fucked up, man. Really stupid. Imagine <laughs> Carter having like, uh, like the Tony Soprano, like kind of cash stashed around the plate, like around your apartment building, yes. but it's just like 
pocket change basically. I need to get some fries yeah. today. I need one order of fries. Yeah, rolls of ten quarters. I'm hiding yeah. from my landlord is what I'm doing. I'm just like <laughs> hiding it from the US government and from my landlord. The scene the scene where you go to whatever your respective bank is to get those, it's like, you know, usually people go those get the, go to their bank to get those rolls of ten for laundry or whatever. So you're like, I need fifty rolls of ten and the woman's like, Oh, okay, a lot of laundry to do, right? Like That's winking right. at you and then you shoot her with a gun. Yeah. Shoot her in the head. That's that is how conflicts are normally resolved. <laughs> yeah. When you're in the mob. So yeah. gotta do yeah. that. Well, congrats on being that is one of the best shows, if not the best show ever made. Yes. So congrats on making your way to the end of that. Mason would probably disagree and say Mad Men's the best show ever made, but you know, tomato tomorrow. I might do Mad Men next. I'm, it's Mad Men or Deadwood is what I'm gonna do next. I'm kinda debating between the two. Uh, Mad Men, I would even the, uh, even though I Mad Men is my my number one all time, the ultimate, and I have not seen a single episode of Dead One uh, Deadwood. I would put my finger on the scale of Deadwood only because it's two seasons and a movie, and not yeah. seven seasons. Yeah, well, yeah. but you see, the thing is, is I work in an office alone, and I have nothing but time. So, like, that's how then I... that might just be... Yeah, I need, I need like, a lot of content now to just, like, <laughs> sure. not freak the fuck out that I'm in a big, empty warehouse that's, like, haunted by the ghost of March 2020 as I just, you like, sit here alone. Yeah. I would say uh, I've been having a lot of fi- fun re-watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. It's 11 seasons, wow. but they're half an hour long. So I, maybe- did, I did, like, half of Curb in the pandemic so maybe i could round it out and finish it that might be a good thing new seasons back john ham's on it john ham is a welcome addition to the cast he's my uh he makes me laugh like uh almost nothing else speaking of making me laugh jesus like almost nothing else perfect that was well done that was very well done woody allen just showed jesus (laughs) mason how'd you do that segue like that what are we talking about, Mason? That's a well, horrible one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fucking terrible. It's the worst impression of all time. Well, so, don't digni- monster, don't, don't so. dignify that man with a good a good impression. Uh, well, Not I think it's a podcast. funny impression because he's terrible. Jesus. Yes. This is my first episode of It's on the List and they're, they're crucifying me up there. <laughs> I never wanted to guest on any podcast that would have me as a co-host. <laughs> Jesus. They're talking about the Sopranos. They should be talking about girls on HBO. Also a great show. Also a great HBO show. But no, we're not here to talk about girls or the Sopranos as much as I would love to talk about either of those things. Folks, we are doing the little mix-up of the show format this week. We are doing as... Noah called it uh, pre-record here the Thomas Saradarian special where we preview we start with the movie and then we go into the album and this week we are going to be talking about well Noah I think this this one technically technically I think this choice was on your list so why don't you do a little why don't you do (laughs) oh no okay (laughs) let's talk about it Doing, doing. No, was just doing the worst face uh, <laughs> of all yeah. time in the Zoom window. There, everybody. how do you would you describe that? Is like a like a guy like licking, <laughs> like, a, like a guy getting ready. It to It was lick. like lecherous. Gecko, yeah, that was Noe's lick. <laughs> like a guy getting ready to lick like sand that he knows tastes like human shit or something like that. Like, 
okay, let's get going here. Let's talk about this. But he's like excited about it a little bit. He's kind of like thrilled to watch other people watch him lip stand up human shit. He's it's like the face yeah. that Tim Heidecker makes in his stand up special where he goes, My New Year's resolution is no more bullshit. It's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. I think I've stole stole that from Tim ultimately. Uh thank you, Tim. But as some people who maybe are diehards of this show, which if you're a diehard of this show, there's a lot of places you can get help, and I think you should be <laughs> looking, in, looking at those this week. Uh, but if you are a diehard of this show for some reason, you may know that there is actually a list that exists in cyberspace that Mason and I use to keep track of things that ultimately one day we may be bringing on the show. Carter's here to sort of kick off my farewell tour on this. Uh, as you said last week, I will be leaving the show sometime early 2022. We wanted to get Carter back as sort of our first stop on the farewell tour. We felt it was only appropriate since he ruined our lives. <laughs> we wanted to sort of get back at him, have him do a taste of his own medicine. Uh, and he knew exactly what album we were going to talk about, and we talked about, we're going to talk about that later in the show. But he asked to see the list. He asked to see, I want to pick something I've never seen before. I want to do that for the show. And last time you were on the show, Carter, you did that as well. And you picked the worst movie of all time called I really Loop. punished you. I really punished Noah. <laughs> you really <laughs> fucked me up, really made me feel like shit <laughs> for a it's long a good time. It's a movie. It's a nice movie. It's very funny. Some would say. Uh, it was a perfect movie for the moment, but that's not what we're here. We're not here to relitigate. It's on it's it's in it's on the loop. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to go around that loop one more time, thank God. We're going to talk about actually a funny movie <laughs> called Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping from 2016. Let's get some snaps going. Snap, 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 clap, clap, clap. film. Yes, for a lot of reasons, which we will get into. But, Carter, what made you pick Pop Star off the, off the eponymous list? Well, I uh, frankly didn't want to watch anything challenging. I wanted to watch something Good. fun. Good. And um, I also like knew this was one of those movies where I worked at AMC when this movie came out. I could have seen it for free in oh, theaters nice. when it came out, and I just didn't. And I have no, I don't really know why, because I was like, I like Andy Samberg fine. I'm not like the biggest Lonely Island guy, but I was like, that looks like it would be fun. And then it just didn't happen in theaters, and I never like found the time to see it. And it's just been on my personal list for years. Sure. And I was like, time mm-hmm. to finally cross it off. Nice. Okay, yeah. Mason. You'd seen this before, right? I had seen this movie on, uh, according to Letterboxd, September 29th, 2016. Um, I had been living in my first Koreatown apartment for less than a month, and I was I watched this movie on, uh, actually, funnily enough, on the table that we used to record. It's on the list. <laughs> oh, where on. He used to sit around. Uh, I remember sitting there, like, just some... I don't know what day of the week September 29th, 2016 was, but just having my laptop open and watching it because people I was following on Twitter at the time uh, were really championing it and being like, people were missing this. You know, they missed this in theaters. Like, um, and so I downloaded it and I watched it and I thought it was quite funny. Noe, what's your history with this here movie? Why'd you want to bring it on the uh, September 29th, 2016 was a Thursday, by the way. Just looked that Thank up. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Don't know what you were doing on a Thursday at your house. Um, God only Club knows. Club was going up. <laughs> Club going up on a Thursday. That's fair. I get that. I actually don't. I think you have, you need, you're sick. You're a sick man for that. <laughs> actually. Um, I saw this in theaters, actually. Uh, I think it sounds like I'm the only one who did. 
actually. It sounds like a fun theater movie. It seems like a very fun theater movie. Yeah, I, you know, Hot Rod comes out, and we covered Hot Rod on the show with Aya Lehman uh, of Aya versus the Big Boys, of course. Uh, And I remember going to the theater. This came out on June 3rd, uh, 2016, specifically. And I had just finished my freshman year of college, had a shit-tacular freshman year of college, really just was like, probably going to drop probably gonna drop out, just like hated it, hated it, hated it. So I went home for the entire summer. It's the only time I ever did that. I'm like, I just need to be home. I need to be with high school friends. I need to just be back in a place that feels comfortable. And mm-hmm. I remember we had a Regal Theater pretty close to where my dad's place was. That was kind of the go-to Regal Theater. And we... I went just by myself, just some random day. I don't remember when, don't remember why. I wasn't really using Letterboxd really heavily at that time, so I couldn't couldn't pull a Mason and tell you exactly when I watched it. But I remember walking into the theater thinking, like, I loved Hot Rod. I hope that this has that kind of energy, ultimately. I hope that it, even if it just has a fraction of the energy that Hot Rod does, I will be satisfied. And I would say it has a couple fractions of the energy uh, that yeah. Hot Rod does. And Hot Rod's truthfully one of the best comedies of the 21st century and, yes mm-hmm. um i remember knowing that this movie was going to be amazing during what i consider to be the funniest part of the movie but it's something i can't say it is a line that i is a moment that i personally can't say out loud so is i'm it going to deborah line it is a deborah line yeah. said by maya rudolph yeah. and so i'm going to give you an idea if you've never seen this movie uh they're pitching Connor, Andy Samberg's character, to put his single in these very specific appliances, like refrigerators specifically. And one of the guys says the N-word. And then Maya Rudolph says the N-word so violently and hard, (laughs) way harder than anybody else had been throwing it around, so crisply and clearly, it shocked me out of my Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to admit, I watched this movie while I was working today because that was the first chance I had to hey, watch it. Um, Pops makes a dollar. You make yeah, a dime. Exactly. So why not watch Popstar and Never Stop, Never Stop and On Company Time? <laughs> That's, That's exactly right. Um, and so, yeah, I was like doing my email bullshit. And then she she said that line and I went, oh, I just like froze. I like, stopped a little bit. I was like, oh, she said it. Like I literally like had a little like, like a like, I was, I was like a Victorian like, minstrel at the side of the king's like your court. monocle yeah my monocle just fell popped off. out of my eye exactly <laughs> i was just so startled it's so upsetting but so funny carter thinks he's going he's going into some like you know like ingmar bergman type situation <laughs> he gets all dressed up at work and he's like no i'm watching a lonely island comedy and they're going to say it so hard and so crisp that i'm going to my sphincter is gonna puck up yes yes that yeah. is exactly what happened a couple sphincter moments in this movie i would say Couple yes. moments that make you make you tighten up in a in a fantastic way. Yes. Uh, the the unerect penis in this movie is really quite something. Apparently, the rumor has it, Judd Apatow's penis. Ah, get out of here! Interesting. Uh, rumor has it. The rest the rest of that body was not Judd Apatow shaped. Is what I will say. So. I I don't know if I'm looking at the rest of the body during that moment. To be fair, I was very aware of the the hip structure around the penis. 
The way that frame is shot, that's not his frame. I was very aware of like, oh. It's like that scene in The Aviator where Howard Howard Hughes is presenting like the, um, Jake, like whatever her name is to like Congress to try to be like, oh, this isn't obscene or whatever, right. but it's just Carter with a bunch of like cutouts of <laughs> Judd I'm Apatow. Taking, I'm taking screenshots of Judd Apatow's body and I'm like comparing them to the shot of like, because, okay, so this guy is soft dick, yeah. The scene is pop star never stop popping. Um, Never stop popping. Never Never stop stop popping. popping. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. uh, Andy Samberg is in a limo. He's talking about how great his life is and how much he loves signing boobies. Uh, And he's like, I'm going to sign some boobies right now. There's boobies mashing on the window right behind me. Little does he know, it's not a booby mashing on the window. It's a big old ding dong. And it's it's a man waiting to have his ding dong signed by Andy Samberg. And then Andy Samberg's got to roll down his window and sign the dong and... Fantastic! It's a great bit. It's it's a phenomenal. If you're gonna have a dick in your movie, that is the reason to use it. Yes, for someone to not know that they're talking about a dick when they're talking yes, about how great exactly. their life, how, just, how amazing their life to is. To leave to leave like the to linger on it for as long as the shot lingers. It is a full like yes. twenty to thirty seconds that this penis is in this movie. It's a yeah. It, you think about how many frames are in this film as a whole, and then how many frames are devoted to that unerect penis. It's not an, uh, an insignificant percentage of no. It really frames. is not. No, they they it's it it's similar to the um just in uh in Walk Hard when just yeah. in the corner after the orgy or whatever yeah. it's just like yeah. a uh a, a bottomless guy just like standing in the bottom the like the top part of the frame is just as another flaccid dick just hanging out up there. It's funny you flaccid mentioned dicks are funny. They just are. Anyway, they sorry, are. No, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. It's all yes. good. It's just funny that you mention Walk Hard. Because this feels like the tw- 2010s version yes. of what Walk Hard did in the 20- 2000s. Yeah. Well, you know here's I mean? my question. Have either of you guys seen the Justin Bieber documentary? I haven't. I'm just curious no. if you guys have a context for it. Okay. But no, I but I saw him in concert during the My World Tour, as we discussed you last did. week. You did, yes. <laughs> and he's in this movie as well. He shows up in this movie. And he's yeah. in the news. <laughs> Justin Bieber's in the news. We conjured him. Um... No, but I, th- I, th- um, so this is like this. If you're not aware, also audience, this is like a mockumentary kind of style, uh, and movie. it's done well, actually. Yeah. Like, it's done really well. Sometimes mockumentaries in- are not like used effectively, and I, this one is used extremely effectively. I would say, yeah. These people clearly have seen every single VH1 behind the music, and they yes. know like all of the tropes of music documentaries, like backwards and forwards. Uh, and it's what makes it so good is it's like it's a loving parody of like pop music and of like these this type of like documentary about pop music and everything too. And like this this particular era of pop music, mm-hmm. between, like 2016, um, um, it 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 just re- like it just the music the 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 Connor for real music in this movie just yeah. brought me back to. Sarah Silverman has that great line where she says, Connor's music may not be what I listen to in my free time, but it makes a yeah. whole lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> like, you know, this is not music that, similarly, this is not what I was listening to on my own volition in 2016, <laughs> but you bet your da- you you bet your bitty that anytime I got into a Lyft or an Uber in Los Angeles during this time or went to LA Fitness off of La Brea and wow. uh, the one kind of in Hollywood by No Vacancy, you guys know the one. I do you know, guys one, know yeah. LA Fitness. Yeah, we, we all know it. We all know, we that, all LA know that. We all know this. This <laughs> LA Fitness. Um, over. Uh, but anyway, this is what's like playing over the speakers, you, right? You know. Well, it's, yeah, and like the yeah. songs, the songs really do feel just like because, like, I mean, pop music 
is always kind of stupid, but there was like a specific flavor of like willfully stupid to pop music chain right smokers. around then. Yeah, chain smokers stupid. Yeah, 100%. And like this movie like so perfectly like captures that kind of like oh, we know this is the dumbest thing you've ever fucking heard, but guess what? You like dancing to it, so you're going to fucking love it. Yes. Yeah. It, there is a there is a bit of an in your face ness about these songs. The one that always sticks with me is Fucked Like I Fucked Bin Laden. Like, yes. it is the perfect intersection of smart and stupid, yes. which is something I think The Lonely Island does unbelievably well, even yes. in their mm-hmm. non-pop star-related music. Dick in a Box? Right. Incredible. Yeah, I'm yeah, on yeah. a boat? Incredible. Jizzed in my pants? Incredible. Just yeah. this... Yes. Um, and something the I know, anthem of a generation. <laughs> something I know Mason was on, had on repeat during his high school years. You goddamn know it, brother. It's like, finally, finally, art speaks to me. Yeah, <laughs> art made specifically for guys in the Chicago suburbs who are coming in their pants. But, like, even in their non-pop star stuff, it's that, like, perfect intersection yeah. of, like, smart and stupid, which I feel like people like Conan O'Brien, in you know, at a time were doing super well. It's really, it's hard to do. You yeah, might watch this movie and think like that's easy what they're doing, but I think it's extremely difficult. No, this. yeah, it's, I was constantly impressed with like how fucking smart the script actually is in like being able to integrate like these songs that are so stupid, but in a way where like they make perfect sense for Andy Samberg's character to have like totally. thought of these stupid lyrics yeah. and everything. Like they're such a good reflection of like who he is as a person and everything like that and how we understand him like outside of his music. Hunter the Hungry? Can we talk about Hunter the Hungry for, yeah. for just a second? Also an incredible, again, it's like, it's an incredible, like, parody of sort of, like, Tyler the Creator and a lot of other stuff that was, like, happening in rap right around that time. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's done in such a way where you're, like, clearly these guys, like, know this music backwards and forwards. They know, like, exactly what they're making fun of. And that's, like, why it hits so fucking hard and why, like... His like the way he the like growly like yelling that he's always doing yes, is just yeah. so fucking funny. Every single lie that he says is fucking funny. Hunters eating beefcakes in the back of a Ford Taurus, just like so <laughs> stupid, just yes. unbelievably stupid. Um, but like I don't know, like when I like Tyler Crater was a little before this, but like when Goblin came out and it was like the biggest fucking thing in the world, like a lot yeah. of the like songs on that album are just as willfully idiotic as like the Ford Taurus song. Yes. And, and it's yeah. Like Yonkers, like Yonkers being as big as it was. And it's like ultimately like nothing's really going on in that yeah. song, but it's a little growly. It's like right before Yeezus is coming out. So rap is starting to get a little rap starting to get a little dirty. And rap starting to get a little like, rap starting to yeah. get a little dangerous. Starting to go jackass on our asses. They're starting to do stunts out the fucking window. And it's just so crazy. I guess I forgot to mention this, but it is worth mentioning. Not only did I watch this in theaters and had a ball watching it in theaters, one of my friends who I hung out with a lot in college also happened to see this movie in theaters and the fall semester coming back to school, which I guess would have been fall 2016, I think we only spoke to each other in quotes from Hell this yeah. movie. At least yeah, he right. exclusively spoke to me in quotes from this, which specifically, yeah, but where was it though? was a very specific quote that he would say. He would always go, Hunter's hungry when he would walk into a room. He would say, looks like the tip of Optimus Prime's dick. And then he would always be like, they gave it the shit emoji out of five. He would just happen to find a way to say they gave it the shit emoji, like in every single context. And I was like, dude, you have to shut the fuck up. <laughs> nobody nobody likes that you're always fucking referencing Popstar, but it is, it is always 
always like I always get so frustrated with people who like can't stop quoting a movie because it's like yeah the quotes yeah. are great the jokes are great and that's why we all laughed when we saw them in the movie in the context of everything else that was happening in that movie but you just saying that now not funny yeah, yeah it was funny when Andy Samberg was <laughs> saying it not you saying it to me four months later right, right. it is an intensely quotable quotes. movie. Yeah, that's it also is, true. I, I've never been good at memorizing quotes from movies and, like, doing monologues and shit like that for movies. Like, the people who can do, like, all of Goodfellas or whatever the fuck, never been me. Yeah, that's a sickness. <laughs> Truthfully, that is crazy. I had a friend in high school who he could get really high and then stand in front of Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny and recite the entire movie. It was both amazing and, like, mm-hmm. very upsetting that he had seen the movie so many times and he smoked so much weed that it was just, like, this is what he did. He just, like, had, like, Tenacious D and Tropic Thunder memorized and he could reenact the entire movie in, from so scratch. Wild. Yeah, They're it was so, nuts. That, like, really, like, bums me out. <laughs> 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 to be honest. No, it was, it was, like, one of those moments in high school where it's, like, I was, like, I was high, too. I was laughing. Sure. And then I, like, go home and I was, like, Oh, that was a fucking bummer. I like, but I was like, I'm like 17, so I like can't even really like think through like why it bummed me out. I was just like, that you was just knew in your core that it did. That know? was not a good thing. I just had to witness. <laughs> yeah, leaving a hangout feeling worse than when you started is the worst feeling. That classic high school vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Truthfully, yeah. Like yeah. if we're visually, if you want to really get into it, yeah. <laughs> truthfully, yeah. Um, what else do we like about this uh, stupid movie? Is the nostalgia critic in the crowd at one point? Did you guys know this? I think so. Yeah, I think I was wondering that too. I forgot to like go back and look, but I thought I clocked him as well. Like, I'll have a fast fact about what the crowd stuff is from later. I swear to God, I saw the nostalgia critic in the crowd. I believe it. This is this is the kind of if both of you guys saw it independently, then that that's kind of confirmation on its own that maybe Doug Walker, the nostalgia critic, is in this movie. Mason's Idol. This is the yes. exact kind of movie that would cast him to like show up in the background or something like that because it's just like so fucking packed with people. Like True. it is such a fucking funny cast, and that's part of what's like that's the biggest charm to me of this movie is them getting the RZA to talk about this as if it's like real music that he loves, yeah. getting Quest Love to like talk about it like it's real Ringo fucking music. Star. Yeah, it is crazy that they were able to get some of these people, and then some of them. I mean, really, like, Seal really commits yes. in this movie. Seal's so fucking yes, funny in yes. this movie. Yes, it's, it's, well, it's, like, what a, like, perfect use of Seal as, like, a throwaway character of, like, oh, he's doing this amazing proposal scene. He's so, like, earnest and delivering this song in front of an orchestra. And then when the wolves attack and he's getting attacked by wolves. So insane. <laughs> he's so crazy. Like, he just is, like, overacting the perfect amount for the scene. <laughs> it fucking yeah. rocks. Mason, what do you think's funny in this movie? What do you like? Um, so speaking of uh, insane casting in this movie, uh, Joanna Newsom play is in this movie as one of the doctors in the Bill Hader segment. The Bill yes. Hader segment, yes. oh, so fucking funny, yes, yeah. And the 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 button, the punchline to that 
section, the flat line, uh, where he goes, um, did I shit my pants? And she goes, not, not this, this time. time. <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe good. my favorite, like, one to exchange. Here's the thing. There was, um, I, most of my notes for this movie is just me writing um, lines. Oh, I thought white butt jeans were really White butt jeans too. is so good. Um, white butt jeans is so good. It says, it, what does it say, like, jizz monster on the back? jizz monster jeans or something An like exit that. only. Yeah. <laughs> exit only was the one. Exit only is really... That is so nasty. <laughs> I forget the context, but got oh from fuck Bin Laden, got to terrorize that pussy is really funny. <laughs> um, after a while though, there's like this movie was just making me laugh basically every other second, and there was a time when I was just like, kind of on like the the um after uh you know the kind of the the top the midpoint of the movie when it becomes like uh when uh connor for real is kind of like bottoming bottoming out basically and it start the movie starts to like kind of reveal what it's more or less about um i'm just like kind of sitting there and, and watching and just like um beholding the thing because i think it's, it's really sweet and it's really really funny um but i do have a note in here that i was basically laughing every other second yeah which, like uh, I've been in a, as Connor and Carter, Connor and Carter, Jesus Christ, Noah and Carter know, I have been a little stinker, a little stink bug <laughs> recently. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, before, uh, is right before the chat I had, uh, uh, I was not, I was not the coolest person, because uh, I'm in a <laughs> shitty job right now Let's that go. is making me feel awful, and you know what? I needed to motherfucking laugh today, yeah. and this movie delivered. This movie made me feel feel so much better after watching it and it it's 86 minutes long yeah, which is another thing it's the it's perfect like, length it is the perfect length it is doesn't like, overstay its welcome at all yeah no it no and it's it helps that it knows like exactly what it's about and where it's going and the way that it kind of reveals itself in in that capacity and it's also like you know, like like we were saying earlier, this is like a, a like one of the rare mockumentaries that actually does kind of feel like an actual documentary. Like it's like kind of filmed in, like the same way that a mock like a documentary or presented in the same like kind of way the music documentary is presented. But there's also like kind of fun little moments where they play with the form, like when um the the cameras cut out and then the bees attack. Oh, that's, <laughs> really, really, really. that's such a perfect bit that's so fucking funny it is it is um, um and well and they're just like constantly coming up with like gags to cut away to in general that are so fucking funny like cutting away from the like just fly in the wall documentary stuff to do things like the tmz parody is just those, like yes. oh, fucking that, perfect they, they like, are the, they're the zevon of this movie to yeah me. Yes, yeah, that's the yeah. Zvon. Is the is that crew? And it's crazy. It's Chelsea Peretti, Will Arnett, Eric Andre, Mike Birbiglia. I think those are like the big four. Those are the big yeah, guys, and they all have like the most insane hair. They're drinking out of like comically well, oversized just has, like, mugs, cups taped to each like duct taped to each other, <laughs> and they're just being like. It's so funny because it's like that is how I feel when I watch TMZ. Like anytime TMZ is forced on me, it feels like just jackals howling like that and it is just the perfect like pitch perfect parody of like how awful that shit is no one ever has that much fun in their office you know like that's (laughs) well but it's it's, well it's fun and it is so based in just pure cruelty you know what i mean like the teams shit like all of the humor is so based just in like oh we're gonna like kick the shit out of these people and we're just gonna find a way to really dig it into them because they deserve it and it's like that tone, but they like it's just like it's like the mask doesn't drop that one extra layer like it does in the movie where like they just are openly like jackals howling at other people's misery. 
watching Eric Andre vibrate and shake, like <laughs> in like giddiness and how like happy he is to like take these people down. Truly amazing. I always yeah. forget about I think they call them CMZ, I yeah. think. Yeah. In this. I always forget about the CMZ. That's and for anyone who's listening who's like, what the fuck is a Zevon? Why did Noah just say that they're my Zevon? That's the thing that like I don't know why didn't like pop off more. Either in an album or a movie or like just so underrated, even in a thing that's underrated that it didn't even get the credit it deserved in an underrated thing. That to me is like that was just so fucking spectacular and so spot on that. Yeah. That's my that's my Zevon yeah. over the movie, Mason. <laughs> Can you believe it? There is a more just world where like a CMZ style like a C, like CMZ got like a, a like a, a slot on Adult Swim or something yes, like a, exactly. a web morning, series you know? parody or something yeah, yeah. exactly exactly like, like an just, ongoing thing maybe not even a full exactly maybe not even a full 15 minutes but just like a 5 minute kind of uh yeah they're like yeah, harassing could, celebrities and stuff yeah like an on cinema kind of thing yeah you you could endlessly do like just uh, and especially if you had that cast if you had Will Arnett and Eric Andre and Chelsea Peretti like fucking around and like playing those characters I would watch that shit constantly. That would be so fucking good. Absolutely. One thing I did want to bring up, actually, and circle back to that Mason said, which I really felt the first time I was watching it, and maybe it's because I was so inundated with these quotes in college because I had just that one friend who was fucking relentless with it. But I think it's worth mentioning, I think you genuinely feel for Connor when he goes yeah. back to Sacramento. Yeah. I think yeah. that that is not yeah. like a false note. I think that's real. Would you guys feel the same? Well, I I, I thought like the like fact that his his group like that his friend hates him and works on the pot farm and just never wants to come back to the music industry. Yeah. Like that whole part felt like so real and it was like, "Oh yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. You would do this if your like shitty friend got more famous off of a verse you wrote for him that he stole from you." And never credit you like <laughs> you would just give up and and work on a pop farm of course and make um, your own pop poppy award that looks just like complete <laughs> shit like he's so bad the woodworking is so funny it's so funny how he's like this like talented songwriter but he's just like the worst at fucking wood carving i love shit like that <laughs> but you i think you genuinely feel for connor in yeah. that moment and it's a yeah. really it's an awesome writing and an awesome just sort of everything coming together performance wise because there's no reason to really root for Connor. Ultimately, he's yeah, like he's a huge so, piece of shit. He's a huge piece of yeah. shit. Fucks over his friends. Lies to people. Really self-centered. But he turns. There yeah. is a actual emotional character turn exactly. in the movie when he realizes, like, oh, I actually don't have any friends left. Owen, who's my DJ, doesn't really like me that much. Like, it's it's genuine. I felt yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, and like, what's so cool is that like the movie does it like efficiently like a shittier movie would have been like oh well now we need to spend 15 minutes or so on him realizing he's been a shitty friend and redeeming himself and it would have like dragged that part out but they figured yeah. out how to do it like so like cleanly and efficiently and just like keep the momentum going and keep it like such a tight 85 page script and everything like that it's awesome uh absolutely yeah you don't need more than just like you get the sense of how um like down and out Connor is when you see his horse drawings, which are also maybe one of the funniest <laughs> things in this movie. Just uh, a child's <laughs> drawings that he's selling on yeah. eBay for eleven dollars. It's his kind of like is... the Ringo Starr paintings a little bit in that way. <laughs> yeah, he sells them for eleven fifty, and his like his mom's on tour with Fallout Boy or yeah. something like that. It's so funny. Um, 
It's funny. I, it's funny. Black it is funny fun movie. to laugh. And, and just an amazing, like, parody about pop culture and, like, pop music and everything like that. And just, like, a, a wonderful send-up of that. And, and like I say, like, I just couldn't get over the fact that, like, these are clearly people who, like, love pop music so much. And it comes from such a genuine place. It's the same reason why Spinal Tap is so good. It's yeah. the same reason why Walk oh Hard God, is yeah. so good. It's like clearly these are people who like adore this stuff as they're like relentlessly mocking it and making fun of it. And that's like my favorite kind of comedy is it's like the comedy that's coming from a like we are tearing this down from a place of love, basically. Absolutely. A hundred is a great point. Yeah. Is there, yeah. Anything else worth saying? Because I got some fast facts, you guys. Let's do say. it. Give me some goddamn fast facts here. Okay. There's not a ton because, uh, spoiler alert, I have a lot of fast facts for the album because there's, we'll get to it. There's a lot of lore <laughs> for the album to tease yeah, it. Yeah, there's, yeah we'll, we'll get to it. Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping, also great title. Just stupid as fuck. Just one of yeah. the stupidest things you could write and they wrote it. Uh, is a 2016 American mockumentary musical comedy film directed by Akiva Schaefer and Yor- is it Yorma of the Lonely Island? Yorma. Yeah. Yorma Tacone. Yeah. Uh, and written, produced, and starring Andy Samberg, Schaefer, and Tacone. Here's a short list of people who make cameos as themselves in the movie. And again, there's more. This is just a short list. Akon, Michael Bolton, 50 Cent, Mariah Carey, Seal, Nas. Nas is probably my favorite celebrity get. He is yeah. so fucking earnest in this. It is so sad yeah. <laughs> to watch him talk about the Style Boys and Connor For Real. Uh, Questlove, Pink, and Miley Cyrus. The movie was advertised on YouTube the month of its release date. On May, May 10th, 2016, Andy Samberg made an appearance on NBC's The Voice in character as Connor for real to perform I'm So Humble alongside Judge Adam Levine and give answers to contestants in a farcical Q&A session. Samberg then made a guest appearance on the season 41 finale of SNL on May 21st, 2016. Promoted as a new SNL digital short, he appeared as character... As the character Connor for real and debuted a song from the movie Finest Girl. Here's the tragedy of this film. Oh no. In the United States, Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping opened on June 3rd, 2016, alongside Me Before You and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. And it was that's not the tragedy. <laughs> that's that's just the facts. Here's the tragedy. And was expected to gross around seven million from two thousand three hundred and eleven theaters its opening weekend. The film grossed 322000 from its Thursday previews and $1.8 million on its first day. In its opening weekend, it grossed $4.6 million, finishing eighth at the box office. The film is considered to be a bomb, grossing yeah. just $9.5 yeah. million against its $20 million budget. I didn't realize it at the time. This is kind of one of the final hurrahs for like going to see a comedy movie in theaters, it feels like. Yeah. So fucking sad to me. The worst. Yeah. yeah. Hate that it's, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it sucks that, like, the nail in the coffin of that is, like, an actual good movie, you know? Yeah. yeah no, like, it's, it's not, like, some expensive comedy went, like, completely bust. It's, like, a pretty modest, like, definitely something you could tell is, like, a passion project. Totally. Um, for these guys. And it completely just, like, went, like, it, it, it didn't do anything at the box office. But it's also, like... Man, they're like Hot Rod was kind of the same thing. Came out at a different time, ultimately. Um, but you know, it's this comedies. Comedies like sometimes have like longer legs. You know, like they need to find their audiences. They're not usually like surefire, yeah, like money makers. And it's it just sucks that like 
Um, nowadays, they're only trying to make surefire money makers and less. Well, but it's and it's also like, like the like frustrating thing of like if this would be on honestly Hulu now. Yeah, honestly, if yeah. I, I do feel like this would be a bigger hit if they just dumped it on Netflix or Hulu and like people just watched it at home and they were like, oh wait, this sure. is actually really fucking funny. But that's a bummer because like it's a theatrical movie to me. Like I like I said, I really wish I'd seen it in theaters because like this would be fun as fuck to see in a full crowd and like have people laughing really hard and everything like that. Like it is that kind of comedy. And totally. Yeah, it's not. Absolutely. It wouldn't be. It wasn't nearly as fun to watch it on my computer today. Uh, and like <laughs> your computer in an office that you have office. by yourself, yeah, yeah. with yeah. your boss. No, my boss isn't here. Nobody else is in this office. That's the that's the beauty oh. of my job. Wow, I come into wow. an okay. empty, a completely empty office, and that's why I'm recording right here, right now. It's because nobody else is around. I literally open it up and lock it up every day. Congratulations, Chef. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, really sad that this didn't make enough money for people to, not that this movie would have saved the inevitability of what streaming has become yeah. like it wouldn't have single-handedly yeah. changed the course of anything it's to me just like one of the final ships that was sent yeah. out to sea in that regard and now like that movie set it up that came out i want to say even maybe a year or two after yeah it was, this. Like, it was like a year after it was like a year after if that movie came out in 2010, that movie would have been in theaters and people would have fucking lost their minds yeah. over that movie. Yeah, it's a good in movie. Theaters. It would have been a box office sensation, but it was dumped on Netflix. Dumped maybe is maybe the not the right word choice, but put on Netflix and instead is now just a, oh, let's watch this. This is actually good. You know, yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then like, like movies like Blockers and Game Night are like very yeah. good comedies that like also just kind of got ignored. Pretty much. I mean, Game Night did okay from what I remember, um, but like Blocker just like came and went like nothing. And I think yeah. that movie's fucking amazing. That movie is so funny. That movie's so funny. Yeah. yeah. I got some uh, more facts. <laughs> <laughs> I got some more facts. Oh, give me the facts, no way. That, don't do that ever again. Give me the facts. <laughs> Mason, please don't do that. <laughs> please stop doing it. Mason, please stop. Plop, stop. Uh, Vince Mancini of Uprops, up, of Uprops. He said Uprops. <laughs> what a fucking loser! He said Uprops. Of Uprocks. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to mess up <laughs> on yes. my own. Sh- I'm allowed to mess up on my own show. It's not going to be my show for much longer. But I'm allowed to mess up on it while it still is. Gave this film a positive review, saying, "Quote: It's as stupid as it is relevant, and the layering of humor styles, insightful satire, no hold bards, no holds barred vulgarity." Irresistible juvenilia, surreal pop art, timeless deadpan are pop stars. Hallmark, it's smart, dumb, silly, and gross in all the right ways. I loved it. David Palmer of The Real Deal gave the film an 8 out of 10, calling it the best comedy of 2016 and praised the songs. And then someone whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce because it is Russian long and devastatingly scary to look at, (laughs) of the AV Club wrote, no music. Oh, is it Ignacy Vishnevetsky? I don't know how you knew that, but it is Ignacy. Chicago boy. He's a Chicago boy. That's crazy, dude. You're so fucked up for that one. (laughs) (laughs) No music mockumentary has really managed to reproduce This Is Spinal Tap's comic mojo, but pop star Never Stop Never Stopping gets closer than anything in that subgenre. Mo- never uh, pops never stop never starting gets closer to most than in the subgenre defining comedy mix of dead on and over the top even if it tends to go for quantity over quality several of the songs including Bin Laden Mona Lisa Owens Beat and Incredible Thoughts feature Greg Kirsten as writer and or producer in 2017 Kirsten won the Grammy for producer of the year as well as song of the year for co-writing Hello by Adele 
So, that's so funny. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That makes I funny hear that guy Like the songs, the songs are like so well crafted. Like I said, they are they are songs that clearly like understand exactly what they're parodying and what they're making fun of. And I think you have to be somebody who also like produces Adele songs to be able to do it that well. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, most of the shots of the large crowds were footage from One Direction concerts. So maybe the nostalgia critic was hanging out at a One Direction <laughs> concert and they just happened to get him. Wouldn't put it past him. Wouldn't pa- yeah. put it past Mr. Doug Walker. Uh, and then last fact, all three of the Lonely Island's members' wives make an appearance in the film. Joanna Newsom as the purple-haired defibrillator operator. Marielle Heller, shout, she's an amazing director. Shout out to Marielle yes. Heller. As a member of Connor's documentary crew and Liz Kakowski, who I'm not familiar with, as the stage manager with whom Lawrence makes out. Yorma's son is the drumming baby and brother Asa Tacone, performer before Style Boys of the Poppies, also makes an appearance. Carter, as we like to do on this show, we like to give an award called the Mercedes Valuable Player. I'm going to remind Mason how it works real quick, so please just give me one second. Mason, I hope you're listening and I hope you're taking notes because I'm never going to say this again. Here we go. (laughs) Mercedes Valuable Player works like this. You can pick a person, a thing, an aspect, or something else from the movie or album that we're talking about today to give a little award to. You are technically allowed to give a co-Mercedes Valuable Player as well if you really want to, but you get shit on if you do that. That's against the rules. But you're allowed to break the rules on this show. Carter, who, what, or which is your Mercedes Valuable Player for Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping? I think for me personally, the CMZ sketches in Pop Star are the thing that really put me over the edge. That's why I brought them up so much. It's, It's just... I hate TMZ so fucking much and like it is such a like satisfying like sketch they do it's just like a perfect bit to throw into a movie and it just makes me so happy agreed Mason awesome what about you I'm gonna give mine and do a co-Mercedes valuable player to the lonely Island and, and Greg Kirsten for the songwriting in this movie um it's like Ignacy Vishnevetsky said, this is the closest music mockumentary um, that has been. It's it's the closest a music mockumentary has been to reaching the sort of like uh, the height and the sort of standard set by Spinal Tap. And the difference is the music in both are just in, incredible and great, like kind of time like loving parodies um, and tributes almost to um, like the kind of the, the their subject, the subject of their. Um, you know, parody, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, the Lonely Island, as we were saying at the beginning of the discussion here, just great songwriters, like the three of them, just great songwriters and, and musicians, right? Really fun, just pop songs that stand on their own as songs. I think that are also really fucking funny, and it's more difficult to do that than you would, um, that anyone that's tried to do it uh, would know that it's it's very, very hard. So I have to, it seems pretty obvious to me to give it to um, that, uh, that that trio, The Lonely Island and Greg Kirsten, um, for writing some really incredible pop music um, and very funny pop music as well. We didn't talk much about, um, here's my question, guys. Uh, maybe we can talk about this transitioning out of this into the other one what were your favorite connor for real songs because i think it's hard for me it's close but equal rights makes me laugh so goddamn (laughs) that's a fucking brutal song it's amazing it's well because it's like i I don't know if you guys remember when like macklemore released his fucking 
you know, True. gay rights. Song. You mean when he when he created when he, when created, he created gay, gay people? Yeah, he invented gay people just <laughs> to create the perfect for clout. pop rock song. <laughs> <laughs> he invented being gay for clout. Shout out to Macklemore. Um, it's just like it is such a like brutal, brutal parody of that song, and like how yeah. much that song fucking sucks. Because like I remember like I was kind of a Macklemore fan when before that song came out, before that album came out. I liked his like very like it was it was corny like spoken word white guy rap but like it was like earnest and good and all that shit and then he put that song out and I was just like oh my god I can't believe I've ever said I'm a Macklemore fan yeah yeah <laughs> yep humiliating yep. it it's what uh, you're and I I didn't put together the Macklemore thing this time around I probably did when I first watched it but I didn't make that connection yeah and the other amazing thing about it being a direct parody of Macklemore is in is it Same Love? Is that the song that yeah. Macklemore does? Same yeah. Love? Yes. He gets the woman to do all the heavy lifting, just like Connor does yes. Pink. Yes. yes. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's that's like the little detail that they nail. Pink just coming in, just saying exactly what you know needs to be said, and Connor being like, I'm not gay, but if I was, I would support equal rights. Yeah. Um, Tits. Sports. <laughs> well, or push-ups. I, th- I think I got to give my... I guess music award this it's either got to be fucked them like I fucked bin Laden or incredible thoughts incredible thoughts is like yeah what someone who watches Joe Rogan every single like <laughs> day thinks is like an incredible thought like at the end of the day like that's the mind of a, of a Rogan listener of, 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 of a, a, a disciple of Rogan just like what if a garbage man was actually smart you know just like just little things like that so I gotta give it to one of those two um but can I say what my Mercedes Valley player is, please? Please, please do. do. Okay, I'll say it. I'm going to give it to The Lonely Island. Not in just the terms of the musicality, but just as creators. Yeah. Not just in this. Yeah. It was kind of, they, I think I took them giantly for granted yes. when they were on SNL. Absolutely. I didn't realize how amazing it was and how good they are. They make it look really easy yeah. because of maybe how dumb, quote unquote, the comedy is it's really funny and you just take i just took it for granted for so long and if we didn't have the lonely island and their success maybe we don't have i think you should leave either because they true. are the executive producers mm-hmm. of i think you should leave yeah. and i think that's the greatest sketch show of all time yeah it's amazing so, so as multi-hyphenates as akiva schaefer yorma tacone and andy samberg are they're amazing they're totally. just amazing. So I got to give yeah. my Mercedes Bible player to them as a unit because they're really strong separately, but even stronger together. And that's amazing to me. And I'm going to give it a full recommend. Full recommend for uh, Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. What about you, Mace? Full recommend. Full recommend, folks. Full recommend. What Carter, about, what about you? I mean, wholehearted recommend. Like, I got nine minutes into this movie and I had to pause because I was laughing so hard and I was like, this is going to be a fucking ride. I am hyped. And it just, it Let's doesn't give go. up. It doesn't relent for the entire runtime of how fucking funny it is. It was I was blown away. Well, speaking of something that doesn't relent. Yeah. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of something Great that doesn't relent. Speaking of something like that, Carter, this is the this is really I think the thing that dragged you back to this show ultimately. So what are we talking about next? We are talking about Black Flag's 1981 album, Damaged. One of my favorite records of all time. Black Flag is one of my favorite bands of all time. I have a Black Flag tattoo on my wrist. What does it say? 
It says, Just In My Mind, which is a reference to a song not on this album, it's on their next album, Slip It In. Uh, their song Black Coffee, I listened to over and over again on repeat while I did acid. Uh, and it uh, changed my life. It was great. That's great. Um, and yeah, I am very excited to get into this with you guys and talk all about it. I really want to know what your guys, what your relationship to Black Flag was before listening to this album for the podcast. Uh, Mason, I'm going to go first. Okay. Yeah. Great. Just want to make sure you're cool with that. I go first. Okay. I'm going to go first. Mm-hmm. Cool. He's seething, folks. <laughs> He's <laughs> so mad that I'm going first on this one. I'm feeling just fine. That's great. My one vampire tooth in, I'm feeling just fine. That is, I hate I hate that so much. I hate that you have to put one vampire tooth in to feel yeah, okay. Like yeah, I lost the other back. one. I don't know where it went. To feel okay right now. Uh, Black Flag is a band that I feel like I knew about without having ever really listened to them before. This. Uh, I think I tried to listen to Family Man. Because yeah. I liked the album art. I thought the album it's art was really cool. It's intense album art. It's very intense album art. Yeah. It's very scary, but very yes. like, um, also there's something very American and like very Ameri- Americana and very like sad about it, you know, as well totally. as being disturbing. And I was very drawn to the album because the album artwork is iconic by Raymond Pettibone, who's actually the brother of, uh, is it not, is it Greg Ginn? Is that the singer? Yeah. Greg yeah. Ginn's the, the guitarist. The guitarist, yes, yeah. the guitarist. And uh, the right. founding member of Black Flag, yeah. That's right, because of course our boy Henry Rollins is the lead singer for yeah. a lot, for the at least what yes. we're talking about today. That guy's fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I had brief encounters with Bad Brains, Minor Threat, Dead Kennedys, sure. The Ramones. So I had like some samplings of some of like the major like 80s punk, but 80s punk has never really stuck to me sure. in like a significant way like i've happens just, for like, a lot of people it just doesn't and i don't have really have anything against it it's just it's never really been like a major a major one for me so to speak although there's some ramon songs i really really like like the kkk took my baby away that song is, is so song. fucking good yeah that's like amazing and so is is it uh isn't it just called i love you baby isn't yeah. the name of the song that's yeah. a great fucking yeah. that's like it's a pop unreal. song. Basically. Well yeah, they they were basically a pop band. Like Ramones were really just like a band that knew how to like take like the classic pop songs that they'd grown up with in the fifties and sixties and like turn them up to eleven with totally. guitar noises. And it that's was like three chords and it's just fucking awesome. It is. So there's some Ramones songs I really sure. like. But in terms of like thrashing punk, minor threat, punk, bad yeah. brains, hardcore stuff. Not a lot of experience, sure. but again, a little bit of Bad Brains, a little bit of Minor Threat, a little bit of knowing about Black Flag, but never totally. really like anything. And Dead Kennedys, I guess, is probably the other major one. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I had never heard, I had heard the beginning of Family Man, and I was like, I'm not doing spoken word. Right <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to listen to this man just say like horrific things into my ear over plain spoken word with nothing else. That yeah, is not just, what I signed up for. Just no music backing yeah, at all. Exactly, just very spare, exactly. just brutal. Uh, so me, I, I was like pretty scared of that. Yeah. It took me probably like almost a decade of being a Black Flag fan before I listened to Family Man. And now I fucking <laughs> love that record. But like it took a long time for me to get around to it because it is scary it is scary there he's the a scary of... man henry rollins is a, is a scary man i i really want to meet him at some point in my life but i'm also terrified of him 
That might be the last meet you ever have with <laughs> someone. That might be your final encounter. Yeah. Might be a final destination. Honestly, that would be a dream. That would be a dream to be put out of this life by Henry Rollins. <laughs> to meet Henry Rollins and then and just, he just fucking punches die. Punches me and I die. Yeah, that'd be sick. But that's basically my history with sure. hardcore punk and Black Flag is a little bit here and there, but nothing ever really too deep or really totally. like going in on anyone except for the Ramones, more or less. Totally, but yeah. Uh, Mason, what about you? Um, I had heard Rise Above for sure before this. Um, I cannot remember if I ever did this whole album top to bottom when I was like kind of in, I guess the, like a mood where I was like, I'm going to listen to Damage today, you know, like finally break the seal on that. I kind, punk is, punk is such a big genre, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's easy to get lost in when you are trying to find like where you fit in there. I think totally. Um, I listen to, I, I feel like other contemporaries, like the one, the, the act I'd listened to the most was like dead Kennedy's. And now, you know, whatever's up with Jill and Biafra and those guys is conversation for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like if I'm listening to music from the 80s, it's usually like like I was looking up like what other albums came out in 1981 at least. And the two that I like the three. Well, here's the four that I would say I would like. Here's put the 17 on. that I listened to instead. Of Every this single one. album except for Damage by Black Flag I'd heard before. <laughs> uh, no, but this album came out the same year as the first Tom Tom Club album. Sure. Um uh, My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, the David Byrne, Brian Eno uh, album, which I think is just absolutely incredible. Pretenders 2, I love the Pretenders. Um, Ghost of then, the Machine by the Police came out that year. Uh, oh, I missed that on the Wikipedia here. Um, but I was also going to say uh, 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 Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, whatever their first album was. Uh, it was called i can't believe i closed this window here but but, but like that kind of like totally. i feel oh, like architecture and morality right architecture and morality thank you um if you are if either of you fellows are familiar with the film 20th century women you will know yeah, that there's right. a part in that movie where there's graffiti put on the side of a uh a volkswagen beetle to my memory um and it says art F something on the others on one side and says black flag on the other. And of that sort of, you know, divide or whatever, I'm on the art, the art F slur side, F or F slur side uh, of things. Um, but mostly because like I said, it just like sometimes punk feels like a, a, I like seeing listening to punk music when I am in the mood for it, when I can feel like it's been pushed in that direction, that handful of punk shows that I've gone to or, or, or whatever. I've had a great time just like kind of getting that fucking just out of there. Yeah. Um, this is me getting the ghosts out of there. Um, <laughs> And For the folks at home, he just shook so microscopically, <laughs> like it was like it's like he's shooting out a little. I just bit like picture, I like picturing, I like picturing Mason I on the in edge. My hands, folks. <laughs> Mason on the edge of a mosh pit, just kind of like gently vibrating one hand, just like yeah. feeling the energy yeah. radiating off the mosh pit. I'm like, the I'm a part of this. over, like I'm doing the Charleston in the middle of the fucking pit. I'm 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 such a, a small little man. That's me most of the time at punk shows. It's just me kind of on the edge of the pit, trying not to get fucking clocked um but all to say 
Um, I sort of treated this album as like a first time uh, listening to it for the show as like a first time sure. um, listen, which I really appreciated because like even though I would you know um, consider Black Flag some an underrated um, act to some capacity, I feel like this is something of like a, a, a classic of its of its era and of its kind of time. Well, I guess, and is. yeah, the thing the thing I'll say about it too to kind of kick us off is like this is this is one of those albums that like even if you don't like it which is fine there's so many things that it's like influenced like black flag as a like sensibility has influenced like so much other stuff because like they were this album was the start of like not just like them as a band kind of blowing up but like they started they put it out on their record label sst records that uh, that greg ginn owned and it became like one of the bastions of diy punk and it became this like sort of uh, stepping stone of like using this music as like a thing that you self promote and you make outside of the mainstream music industry and you make it as like independently as possible. And it really was part of the like core thing that started the concept of like independent music of like people just like loading them their shit into a van and like promoting their shows themselves and not like and just just seeking an authenticity that can't be found in like the mainstream music industry um and like so like all of like sonic youth and nirvana melvin's all that shit all the grunge shit that came out in the 90s is all directly influenced by this simpsons was really influenced by like black flag and punk and like like tv party is in the simpsons at one point i know um like it is it is like a really important cornerstone of understanding just like where like alternative art comes from like like so the subculture of broadly like making stuff that's like intentionally trying to like dip out of the mainstream i think really comes from this band and from also like bands like minor threat and discord records the the shit they were doing on the east coast but yeah it's it's like vital music to me just for understanding like people recognizing like oh we could make art a different way we don't have to make art in a way that like pleases a record label we don't have to make art strictly to like try to build relationships with like good promoters to have good like opportunities to play at the right shows and everything we can make our own shit happen for ourselves because like this 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 band like this this album comes out and like most of the people on who are playing on this record are like 20 21 22 and like they managed to figure out how to like make themselves a like self-sustaining machine over the course of about seven years on their own, like without like the big machinery of music, the music industry sustaining them. And I think that's really fucking cool and really impressive. Um, but yeah, big picture. Did you guys like the album? I did. For sure. Yes. I did like, okay. also like the album, but I will say, I will say this as well to be totally tr- like truthful about my yeah. experience. I either was like, yes, bro. Or I was like, it's kind of corny. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that makes sense. That that totally makes sense. It is like, it is music that like, um, I was really into when I was like thirteen or fourteen sure. into my teenage years. It became like it was formative music for me as a person. Um, and then like in my like late teens, early twenties, I kind of like had this dip where I was like, oh, maybe I'm too cool for this like corny music. Maybe like punk is too like earnest in a lot of ways um and it's it, the the way they're trying to like fight the man doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me 
And then I kind of like got a little older. I got my ass kicked by life a few in a few different ways. Um, and this music just like resonated with me even more, like especially like getting out of college and like trying to work and trying to just like figure out how to like live in a big city like Los Angeles, sure. which is where they recorded this album. That's where Black Flag is from. Um, it was just like, oh fuck, this music makes even more sense to me now. Like this shit of just like this like desperation and the sense of alienation makes so much more sense to me as a person who's just like working a shitty job and going in my shitty apartment and like everything feels miserable and alienating. It's like, it's 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 a perfect capturing of that feeling of like stumbling into early adulthood and just feeling like completely chaotic and out of control. Or or late twenty seven year oldhood. <laughs> Well, it's why I keep coming back to it. It's why, like, you know, like, still to this day, like, if I'm having, like, a rough go of it, like, putting this album on and just, like, screaming all the lyrics is just so fucking satisfying. Um, It's just, yeah, it's just, like, it's funny because, like, it's very dark music and, like, it's music about, like, dealing with, like, feelings of alienation and depression and just, like, anger that you can't direct anywhere. But there's something, like, so cathartic about, like, channeling that into this kind of music to me yeah i think that's kind Um, of what the when it's at its for me when it's at its when it's working at its best that is what feels so good about listening to this is that it's like man sometimes life just fucking sucks (laughs) you know sometimes it's not one it's not just one thing it's just like man when it rains it pours and sometimes you just have to scream sometimes you just have to uh, real, blow off steam, I guess, for lack of a better exactly. term. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And this is big time blowing off steam music in Absolutely. every sense. And the darker the album gets, the more I like it, actually. Yes. Like, yes. with the darker and, like, seedier and grimier this gets, the more I think it works. Like, I think no. Depression might be my favorite yes. song. On that, song that song is amazing. And, like... It, honestly, like the darker parts of this album, when I was like a teenager and I would listen to it, I would kind of like skip over those tracks a lot of the time because they like didn't resonate as much when I was sure. like fourteen or fifteen. But like when I like dealt with some really bad depressive episodes in my like early twenties, like holy shit, these songs hit so much harder and everything like that. And like Henry Rollins, he wrote uh, he didn't write most of the songs on this album, but he did write um, "Damaged One," the very last song on the album, and like. I really think he is like a brilliant person when it comes to just like describing what it feels like to like know your brain is doing something to you and not knowing how to like get outside of your own brain when like, you know, you know, like your brain isn't really reflecting reality back to you, but it's all you can perceive. And you're just like struggling to get beyond the depressive thoughts that feel like your entire world. That's the hardest part about like, just being in like a depressive funk because for the most part like at least in my experience with with depression like i know that i am not feeling good and i have the presence of mind to be like i am not feeling good and i know that i just need to get over this fucking hump and get there like get over it not like in like a kind of get over it but you know it's like you know you 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 see the hell you climb over the hell and you're on the other side or whatever i not a good metaphor because i'm fucking depressed right now um but um it it it's it, it did damage one and depression this both of those songs did really ca- encapsulate the just just the how frustrating it is to be just so fucking like sad and depressed, yeah. you know, more than anything. It's like, 
you're not like it, there's no like kind of um uh beauty or or anything to the loneliness you were just like you're sad and you know you feel bad and you are mad at yourself for being yeah. sad and feeling that way and then you were mad at yourself for recognizing that and not being able to pull yourself out of it you know and it just like kind of spirals yep. itself down there's <laughs> you know i mentioned earlier that i've been watching the sopranos and the, the sopranos is a show about depression and like there's a quote in that that I'd heard somewhere before, but like hearing it in the Sopranos reminded me so much about why I like this album so much is that like the, the quote goes, depression is anger turned inwards. Yeah. And, uh, I think about that. Uh, Dr. Melfi says that too. Yeah. To Tony. Think about that. And, yeah. and it's very true in my experience, in my experience, like so much of like what caused my like clinical depression was like feeling angry about the state of the world realizing like I was powerless to do anything about it. And then like just that anger that I felt externally goes inward and it turns on yourself. And like Black Flag to me like captures that like feeling of like I'm angry at the world, but also there's nowhere for me to turn that anger other than me. And it's about like fighting yourself and fighting with your brain basically. And you know, like I say, the more I've like gone through therapy, the more I've like learned to deal with depression, the more like this music is like, such a welcome like oasis to me because i'm just like yeah this is what it's like when you're when you're really in it like you just have this like desperation where it's got a hold of you and you've got to be the person to dig your way out somehow i Uh, do want to say although all what we're saying is true there is a very interesting flip side i think to this in that this there's also a lot of humor in this yeah as well there's a lot of of dark humor in this yeah um and i i personally think that humor in music is a very underappreciated and undervalued thing. Obviously, it's not always appropriate. Like, I'm not listening to Sufjan Stevens because I want to hear some, like, humor. You want to hear a sketch. Because I want to hear Like a hip-hop sketch. sketch. You're going to have you're gonna have the Wu-Tang Clan come in and interrupt the Sufjan Stevens thing. Yeah, you, like, kick, the, kick this white boy out real quick while we, while we chop it up in here. But even, like, Randy Newman or yeah. Alex Cameron yeah. or Remy Wolf. You know, they have, they're very good humored music artists. There is a sense of fun and a sense of playfulness and a sense of good humor in those people's lyrics and in the way that the music comes across. And TV Party, I feel like, is the perfect intersection of both of these things. TV Party is such a good fucking song. It's such a, yeah, it's, it's so funny because it's like, as somebody who's listened to this album, like, countless amounts of times that is the one song i've gotten tired of because it's like the one i oh, listened really? to a ton when i was in high school and everything like that and it, but it's such a fucking funny song there's a reason why they include it on the simpsons like i feel like the simpsons so much of like literally the couch gag to me feels like the same sensibility as tv party like sure that sure, whole yeah. thing of like ripping on and making fun of the idea that like people live their whole lives just to be able to watch tv uh and just like they build their whole lives around coming home to watch TV and getting blackout drunk in front of the TV. And that's like kind of a pointless way to live life. That's a really funny idea. And I think it's also like very much the sensibility of like what the Simpsons is ripping out about like suburban life. One of the funniest. Yeah. One of my favorite parts moments in this album is just when they scream, it's broken. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. When I was like 13 and I heard that for the first time, that was the funniest shit I'd ever heard. Like, just having that guy like yell that in the background, I thought was so fucking funny. This um, album is 
it, it's it's very it's, it's so interesting because like yes i can totally see your point about how like it not like outside of even just the idea of like punk or post-punk or post-hardcore or whatever even outside of the realm of like music genre and just music as a developing thing just in terms of like diy culture like yeah. for lack of a better term like this is about as like I hate this term, but I'm going to use it a little bit tongue-in-cheek, a little winky here. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah. and just get it done. It's kind of exactly that, in a no, way. It, well, even if it's thing, a little winky at that, like, even if there's a wink going on there. The thing, you know? the thing is, is like, I, you can, so there's this really famous book called Get in a Van by Henry yeah, Rollins. Yeah, by Henry Rollins. It's, yeah. it's his journals of his time with the band and everything like that. And just his, like, he kind of like edited it down and like arranged it well. So it tells like kind of a narrative rather than just being like random straight thoughts completely. Um, And it's like, it is so amazing to just like read him being like, well, my knee is blown out, but I've got to unload the amps and play a show tonight anyway. Oh, well, uh, my knee is actually so destroyed, I'm going to need surgery. But uh, the only way we're going to get to the hospital for me to get the surgery is if we play two more shows. So I guess I'm just fucking doing that. And, like, the way that, like, they all just pushed each other and, like, worked so fucking hard and worked relentlessly um, and just, like, never, like, almost never stopped touring in the years that they were, like, really active as a band. And they, like, built a huge, like rabidly devoted fan base purely just by being like well we're gonna hit all the major cities in the u.s like multiple times a year we're gonna go places that other bands won't even fucking bother to go like arkansas and shit like this and we're just gonna like we're gonna show up and we're gonna really give the kids like something real and intense and we're gonna see every fucking corner of this country and we're gonna like play this music that is like angry and confrontational at this country at the idea of america or whatever the fuck you want to get into it um but we're going to do it in a way that is like as authentic as possible and as just like straight from the guts as possible. And like when I read Get in the Van, it like really fully like made all this music hit even harder to me because it's just like unreal that like they were just willing to like push themselves that fucking much. And it's like it's a thing that I like before the pandemic, at least I was really trying to live in my life. I was like, you know what, man, I can't keep making excuses I can figure out how to pull together $2,000 and shoot a short film in my house. Let's fucking go. Let's figure out what I can do with the resources immediately at my disposal. Pandemic really messed up my momentum there, really fucked that over. And it's been fucking hard to get back to that point. But I just really, as I've gotten older, and the reason why I decided to get like my black flag tattoo and everything is just like this reminder to like, if you believe in art, if you believe that like, art has something of value to the world then you need to be like fucking relentless about like shoving it into the world you need to be like as passionate as and as intense as this fucking band was if you want to like let it exist and if you believe in that if you believe that art has good value in the world and i do believe that then like you need to fucking attack it it's not you can't be like half-assed about it totally 100 um, mm-hmm. i don't want to yeah. i don't want to hang out with anyone who doesn't think that ultimately yeah. at the end of the day yeah, like that's, I, that's a dangerous person actually yeah exactly it's you 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 kind of like have to just like 
And you have and you have to like at a certain point just be like, well, there's not really like any excuse. Like I can figure out how to do this. Like it doesn't matter that I don't have like all the resources to do this perfectly. Like shoot a movie. And at a certain point, you just have to be like, I can like cobble together enough of the basics to make this happen. And I just have to live with the basics and like let the messiness and the imperfection be part of what makes it me. And authentic. You can, you can yeah. your co-host can move back to Chicago and you guys can still find a way. <laughs> exactly. To That's do exactly a right. Podcast. That's exactly right. Well, and it's like when I like started Merry Go Round magazine with my friends, it was like very much like sort of that attitude of like, who fucking says we can't start a magazine and like do this stuff? Who who fucking says we can't like figure out how to like just by our own motivation crank out all these articles, write all this stuff, and like we have built up like something. I don't know, like absolutely the extent to which like mm-hmm. it counts as like an amazing cultural achievement or anything like that. Like we haven't like changed the fucking still world, something. but we did like come together and like work our asses off and like wrote a lot. And we found other talented people that we liked their writing and we like built a basis and a platform for people to like have discussions about media that like, I, I think like very few publications do. And I'm proud of that. And like, the impetus and the energy for me like wanting to get so involved in that project was the DIY punk sensibility and that like has always been at the core of who I am and how I look at attacking art and it's just I think it's I think it's a vital thing to try to engage with like like I say like it's okay to find Black Flags music kind of corny in some parts it's okay to not like all of it it's okay for it to not resonate with you on that level as like music you actually want to listen to but i think like understanding their story and understanding like the impact that they've had on art is like rad as fuck um i think there's something to appreciate about them even if you don't like the whole i think that's a great point Carter. Yeah. I think that's really well really well spoken really well said really well displayed uh, <laughs> one one caveat to the merry-go-round thing a really important thing that didn't want to take Mason and I on as a podcast on the Mary Go Round Network. So maybe I, I not, maybe not that important that. at the end of the day. I do maybe feel bad not that, that important. Or the, or the smartest business decision of all time. It was. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. What to, yeah. I don't I'm just know giving you a hard time. That's all good. That's all good. Just giving you a hard time. Um, I'm just ranking Yankee your fucking chain, dude, for just one second of the day. Hey. But we have been DIY podcasting for the better exactly. part of two years exactly. here. So, and I, and at, you the know, end of, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's you know, um, I love podcasts for the same reason that I love Black Flag. It's like I think there is something like great and really fucking cool that like just people sitting and talking and shooting the shit can become a thing that's like really fucking entertaining to listen to. And it's like it has it's it as dirt simple as it gets to sit and like talk with your friends or whatever. But you can turn it into something great like Mason and I both like the podcast Street Fight Radio a lot I think Street Fight is like purely the exact same energy as Black Flag of just like two guys talking in the basement about like the better world that they wish could exist and they've turned it into like a whole amazing subculture yeah, turn it into their whole lives yeah exactly they literally like don't do anything else and and like managed to turn it into like a, a way to make a living and like that's the punk rock dream the punk rock dream is to just like figure out how to like not have to sell out to the man, not have to sell out to fucking anybody, not have to answer to anyone else and just be able to like put yourself out into the world and have that be enough. And yeah, like no band is like really like shown how to do that to me quite like Black Flag. Carter, do you listen to your Kickstarter sucks by yeah. Mike Hale and Jesse Farrar? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, not all the time. <laughs> I was hoping hoping for a big resounding yes on that one because I, I, I like you- it. 
the way you feel about Street Fight is the way I feel about those guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Those are the well, Mason and I will actually be talking about those guys in a couple weeks. Ah, uh, but that's yeah, no, those yeah, those, they are they are really funny. They're really good. I like blocked party a lot and block party has like overlap with your kickstarter sex yeah stefan and yes jesse do. and john Steph, well stefan stefan and jesse do the yeah. go off kings yeah. and then you had but you had john on fake booking i bro. sure did i sure did i love that guy i think i think they're good sweet pals they're he very is funny he seems like a genuinely nice as fuck guy yeah it's it's one of my favorite bits and this came up when we interviewed him and it comes up on block party all the time is that like the nicest, most normal man just <laughs> aggravates certain aspects of their audience so much. And I think it's because like certain like irony poisoned extremely online people can't handle a guy who's like, oh, you know, I just like hockey and curling and I'm just super nice. And, and I'm a substitute teacher and I'm like, substitute during the teacher. day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're just like, fuck you, motherfucker. How dare you be happy and have a fiance? Exactly. Exactly. How dare you actually seem like you're pretty content with where you're at? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Um, I really appreciate you bringing this album on. I yeah. think I appreciate it more for the reasons in terms of the spirit yeah. of what it is. But I actually legit, there are like a number of tracks on this that I do legitimately like. Like I like my favorite tracks here. I wrote them down. Let's see. We got Rise Above, classic. Amazing. S- Six Pack, yeah. funny, classic. TV Party, my favorite song on the album. Close second, Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Love yeah. gimme gimme gimme. That song is that so is... fucking tight. The the drum fill in the like middle of that song, the do, 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 so like, it drives me crazy. Like I can listen to that anytime, anywhere, and it just like makes my brain go like feral. It's great. Depression, room thirteen, no more, and damaged one are probably to round it out, probably my fave tracks. I again yeah. some of the stuff uh, some of the time makes me feel like I'm 25 years older than I actually am, like listening to it like a little bit on the corny scale. Yeah. But it's the the scale itself is more outweighed by the stuff that I think really still hits. And I think that's why Black Flag and the spirit of Black Flag have endured more than it hasn't endured. Have you ever okay. seen them live, per chance? No, because they broke up and they've re- reunited, quote unquote, but Greg Ginn, the guitarist and the owner of SST Records, is also a huge asshole and a huge piece of shit, apparently. Nice. So, um, like, Henry Rollins refused to tour with him, and, like, I want to see him perform these songs. Like, I don't want to yes. see, like, some random fucking guy. And I, it's I think Mike Vallely got... now, right? Yeah, but it still is not the same to no, me. Sure. And, like... And, like, Keith Morris, I think, did at one point tour with Greg Ginn's version of Black Flag. And, like, Keith Morris was the original singer, and he's the singer of this punk band, Circle Jerks. It's, like, a fucking awesome band, too. Uh, And, like, he sung... Keith Morris sings on the Nervous Breakdown EP, which is... And, like, that's fucking awesome. He's so good. And so I probably would have liked that, but also, like, when they were touring in that, it was, like, 2003, I think, or something like that, 2005. So I was a kid. Um, yeah, I have seen uh, Keith Morris perform with Circle Jerks at Riot Fest. Oh last shit! Year. It was that sounds awesome. He's, it's so crazy that he's like seventy years old or whatever the fuck. He's and he's sixty six. Yes, and he I still performs like that. I saw him on his sixty sixth like birthday, and uh, it was awesome. They, yeah. the you you were we were standing outside at uh, Garfield Park, I believe, or Douglas Park rather, in Chicago, where Riot Fest is. And the clouds were gathering, and everyone's kind of looking around, being like, is it going to rain? Is Like, is it going to thunder? Like, should we, like, what's going on? Because they were taking a long time to, like, soundtrack or whatever. And then as soon as, like, they start playing, 
rain just starts Hell pouring yeah. and it just gets so fucking nasty yeah, and cool. Awesome, rocks. awesome, awesome band. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did have a cashier at Home Depot give me shit. For he noticed my black flag tattoo, oh, but wow. like it might. So the tattoo is like the black flag logo on a cup of coffee, and yeah. like and the guy looked at my tattoo and he was like, "Oh, you're a black coffee fan," and I was like, <laughs> "That's kind of funny, actually." Yeah, I was like, I was really like, funny. I was like, "Yeah, man, I love coffee." Um, and, <laughs> don't t- don't talk to me until I've had my fucking coffee, asshole. And then and then the guy's like, and then the guy's like. Yeah, you know, there was this one time I was slam dancing and I nearly got kicked out of the show and he just like starts telling this really like rambling story that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And I was like, wait, uh, sorry, are you talking about a time you went to a Black Flag show? And he's like, yeah, motherfucker, you should know that. You've got the tattoo. And I was just like, all right, pal. Sorry, your fucking incoherent story didn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, just give me my fucking command strips and let me go yeah. home, you fucking asshole. I was renting awesome. a truck. I was renting a truck from him to shoot a movie. Actually, I like needed to borrow a truck to pick up some furniture for this short film I was making and everything like that. I was just like, this awesome. is ridiculous. Hell yeah! Yeah, hey, you um, want to come by? You want to be a PA on this movie that I'm shooting? <laughs> annoy everybody, stand in every doorway, and <laughs> trying to get through. Tell annoying anecdotes about the time you met Greg Ginn after a show. Awesome, yeah. fucking dickhead. Yeah. Love him though. He's, it was, he's he actually funny. he's coming on the show next week. Actually, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. The Home Depot cashier. Yeah, the guy. He's in Marina the Del Rey. Oh, yeah. I was, I, he works at the Sunset one now. And oh, well, no, that. different Home Depot truck rental cashier then. Yeah, same guy. He actually he moved closer. Oh, he switched locations. I see. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to be. He was like, I need to find the next yeah. sap who's going to walk through here and fuck with me. Yeah. Um, is there anything else? I do want to make sure, because I, I do have some fast facts, and I know we've been going for a while. Is there anything else worth noting about either this uh, album or Black Flag? I will say, like, if you like this album and you want to keep exploring them, Slip It In by them is great. Very problematic album, but I think it kicks ass anyway. Uh, Slip It In is a song about, like, like the chorus is literally, say you don't want it, say you don't want it, but then you slip it on in. So it's like this weird, like, are you, like, it's like like a very sexual song, but in a, like, is this like a coercive sex situation? It's very gross, but the riff is so fucking sick that I like it anyway. Also has probably my favorite song by them of all time, Black Coffee, which I have a tattoo of. It's oh. like just a fucking crazy song. That song is like probably like top five rock songs of all time for me. Um, it, oh, they're yeah. just they're an incredible oh. band. Um, Henry Rollins' spoken word stuff is insane. Um, He's I would, a tremendous public speaker. Yes, I would really like, recommend is, anything yeah. on YouTube. Just search Henry Rollins on YouTube. Anything you can find of him just standing with a microphone talking fascinating worth watching it is even worth watching some of his clips talking to joe rogan like legitimately no because like it's funny because like my whole beef with joe rogan is that i just wish henry rollins had joe rogan's podcast sure sure like henry rollins is like who joe rogan wishes he was to me like henry is this like guy who's like jacked as shit like no bullshit like a man's man in a lot of ways but also like has like such like emotional thoughtful yeah. intensity and he has like such a like clarity in his thoughts and like I think him interviewing people on that kind of setting of just like a freewheeling conversation would be fucking awesome. Yeah, um, does he have a podcast or is he he's just He's done some he did a radio show for a long time on KCRW. It was mostly like him playing records and stuff, but then I think he would interview people sometimes too. But he mostly is all about now just like going and standing on a stage and like sharing his thoughts with the world 
And he's really good at it. I think he's fucking brilliant at yeah. it. Like I can watch him talk for like two hours. He doesn't let up. He doesn't relent. And he just like takes like all of the same energy from this music. And instead it's like, he's a very like poised controlled speaker. And he just like keeps you like in the palm of his hand for like two hours. What? Um, not what man. I just completely, I legitimately was going to ask you such a fucking slanger banger. Of a question <laughs> that I just completely whiffed. Cause I looked at my notes for one. Oh no. no. Yeah. The worst. No. No. We shouldn't have, you know, we shouldn't have notes on this show. <laughs> we shouldn't, no, shouldn't have we anything shouldn't. written down ever. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, this is a very this is a very interesting album. If you've never listened to any kind of punk music like this before, this honestly might be a great place to start. In a lot, of I ways. think I would is. agree. I, I would. I think it's. That. I think yeah. it's. I think it's the one to start with of like the classic canon of punk albums. I think like if this is your starting point, everything else makes sense because every like all the punk shit that comes after it is responding to it in some way. Like it's trying to do something different to try to not be damaged, basically, because this was such an influential record. Mason, any final thoughts? Not before we get into MVP and that kind of stuff. Um, so why don't you give us those those good old fast facts that we know and love? Those good old fashioned fast facts on which we used to rely. Exactly. Thanks, bro. Uh, I had did even while we were talking. I did cut some of them down. So there's actually less here than there were before. Just want to make that very clear. Me then there. This is not in any way the complete compendium of Black Flag. What I'm about to say. There's a lot of information, even if you just scan the Wikipedia article. So this is not the complete compendium, but this is some highlights. So here we go. Black Flag, American punk rock band formed in 1976 in, you guessed it, Hermosa Beach, California, which is where Samuel L. Jackson's apartment in Jackie Brown is. Uh, initially called Panic, the band was established by Greg Ginn, the guitarist, primary songwriter, and sole continuous member through multiple personnel changes. They are widely considered to be one of the first hardcore punk bands, as well as the pioneers of post-hardcore. After breaking up in 86, Black Flag reunited in 2013 and again, excuse me, again in 2003 and again in 2013. The second reunion lasted well over a year, during which they released their first studio album in over two decades. What the dot 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 the lips it's garbage that's a really bad record one of the worst album covers yeah it's yes. terrible not to judge an album by its album cover but you look at that thing and it is just giving you rancid vibes yeah. it is being actively antagonistic and saying don't you dare fucking listen yeah. to this it's sort of like that spongebob episode where he has rancid breath and he's like excuse me sir i hope my ugliness does not distract you from the music not at all boy <laughs> that's that album cover uh, over the course of the 1980s, Black Flag's sound, as well as their notoriety, evolved, as well as being central to the creation of hardcore punk. They were innovators in the first wave of American West Coast punk. They are considered a key influence on punk subculture in the U.S. and abroad. Along with, among, along with being among the earliest punk rock groups to incorporate elements of heavy metal, melodies, and rhythms, they were often uh, their own overt freestyles on free jazz, breakbeat, and contemporary classical elements in their sound, especially in Ginn's guitar playing and the band's interspersed records and performances with instrumentals throughout their career. When I heard that, I immediately thought of uh, the band Fugazi. Are you guys yeah. Fugazi heads? Oh, I'm a yes. huge Fugazi fan. And Fugazi. Yeah, Fugazi is uh, Ian MacKay's band, Ian MacKay of Discord Records, and Ian MacKay and Henry Rollins were actually best friends in D.C. before Shut Henry up. joined uh, Black Flag. Um, and like they're, they're interlinked. They're like, those bands are like twisted together. Basically. Fugazi is, I have more experience with them than I do. Mm -hmm. Like I, I really, really am into them. They just seem like they are chameleons of music and they can yeah. pull anything off. It's yeah, unreal. So There's cool. such a, those, those records are insane. I, I don't know how like a band like figures out how to do that much different shit over the course of their career. They're an amazing band. 
the name was suggested by Ginn's brother, artist Raymond Pettibone, who also designed the band's logo, a stylized black flag represented as four black bars. Pettibone stated, quote, if a white flag means surrender, a black flag represents anarchy. Their new name was reminiscent of the anarchist symbol, the insecticide of the same name, and the British heavy metal band Black Sabbath, one of Ginn's favorite bands. Ginn suggested that he was, quote, comfortable with all the implications of the name. The band spray-painted the simple striking logo all over L.A., attracting attention from both supporters of both attracting attention from both supporters and the Los Angeles Police Department. Shout out those freaks over there. Uh, Pettibon <laughs> also created much of their cover artwork. 20-year-old fan Henry Rollins, birth name Henry Garfield, was living in Washington, D.C. and singing for the hardcore band State of Alert. Uh, State of Alert drummer Ivor Hansen had a father who was the top admiral in the U.S. Navy, and his family shared living headquarters with the vice president of the United States in the U.S. Naval Observatory. Their band held practices there and would have to be let in by United States Secret Service agents. That's fucking crazy. It's the the I, I couldn't even get into all this because there's so much more you can get you can talk about about Henry Rollins just as like this weird kid who grew up in a military school and like he describes himself as like somebody who is just like nothing but discipline and riddling and then he like got out into the adult world and he like didn't know what to fucking do with himself after like Absolutely. all the rigidity and everything and he went fucking crazy and joined black flag basically at age 20 what can you do other than join a punk band at that yes point? yes it's exactly fucking crazy exactly want to know what that yeah that's too insane for me to actually yeah comprehend. yeah he's he is one of the most intense human beings i've ever encountered and i love him so much um, at an impromptu show at A7 in New York City, Rollins had asked the band to perform Clocked In, and the band offered to let him sing. Since vocalist Des Cadenia was switching to guitar, the band invited Rollins to audition to be the singer of the band. Impressed by his stage demeanor, they asked him to become their permanent vocalist. Despite some doubts, he accepted due in part two, Ian Mackay's encouragement. Shout out Ian Mackay. Uh, Rollins acted as a roadie for the remainder of the tour while learning Black Flag songs during their sound checks and encores, while Cadenia crafted guitar parts that meshed with Gins. Absolutely insane way to find your singer, but yeah, it's so stupid. Works. It's it's stupid and it's awesome. Like it, it is like purely the DIY bullshit of just like, well, fuck it, we can just figure this out as we go. Like we don't need to like audition a million singers. We can find this random fucking kid who's literally twenty years old. Literally twenty years old. So insane. Yeah. Uh, Pettibone's artwork for the band's album and flyers was equally stark and confrontational. He typically worked with one panel using pen and ink, so the message conveyed had to be direct and powerful due to lack of space and color. According to Michael Azarad in Our Band Could Be Your Life, the artwork was, quote, a perfect visual analog to the music it promoted, gritty, stark, violent, smart, provocative, and utterly American. It also provided a cerebral aspect to the band's image as the mainstream media caricatured back flag as a mindlessly aggressive act. The pairing of their music with high-concept artwork hinted at a greater intelligence at work that was unknown to outsiders damaged is the debut studio album of uh black flag sst records released it on december 5th 1981 the album was largely ignored by critics and the public at the time of its release but has since been recognized as a classic one of the most influential punk rock records ever made appearing on a number of best of lists by fans and critics alike the album was ranked 340th on rolling stone's 2012 list of the 500 greatest albums of all time whatever you want to call that that whatever that out signifier <laughs> means in 2021 uh pitchfork also ranked it number 25 on its list of the top 100 albums of the 80s and Kurt Cobain listed it as one of his top 50 favorite albums of all time 
even Kurt showing some love for Black Flag. That's right. Well, no, yeah, Mm -hmm. Kurt Cobain talked a good bit about how Black Flag was, like, really influential to him about, like, the idea of what it means to be in a band. Because, like, before Nirvana blew up, like, he was doing the, like, okay, we load all our gear into a fucking van and we just drive around and tour wherever we can play. He was doing the, like, Black Flag model of, like, how to be in a band and everything and, like, directly said it was influenced by them. Yeah, that's amazing, actually. Yeah. That actually, like... It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Yep. Yep. Uh, the band recorded their tracks without Rollins, who overdubbed vocals with band members Greg Ginn and Chuck Dukowski, coaching him afterward. This is so insane. The yeah. most complicated vocal tracks ended up being Dukowski's What I See, which was supposed to have an improvised speech in the song's bridge, but ended up having one written out by Dukowski when Rollins could not come up with anything he was satisfied with, and TV Party, which featured backing vocals from the entire band. That seems like the worst way to record vocals. Like, that seems so not good like you yeah, should just do it at the same time well yeah like i say it's 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 because it's like the like ingenuity and the creativity of like these people who like don't know like the way you're supposed to do things and they're just like figuring it out like greg ginn is like a self-taught guitar player like taught himself like it's called sst records because he like taught himself how to like build radios from scratch and that turned into like learning how to like build guitar pedals or like oh, fuck damn. with guitar pedals and wow. that was like what got him into guitars and got him into playing music and everything like that. Like he's just a guy who like obsessively teaches himself things apparently. And like he taught himself how to make a fucking punk record. Like he taught himself how to like influence a new subgenre of music basically. Um, and I seems, think that's like inspiring as fuck. Seems like a guy who from an outsider's perspective is like impressive as fuck. And maybe if you worked with him, you may want to kill yourself. Yeah. Henry so. Rollins has said like, he literally like won't mention him by name when he like mentions stories from black flag when he's doing his like spoken word stuff. He'll like, just be like, yeah. And there was this guy in the band who was the leader of the band and he like, won't use his name because like they apparently hated each other so much by the time the thing ended. And I mean, this is very angry music and like, I can understand if like you are like feeling things strongly enough to make this kind of music you kind of have to be a dick. Like, you kind of have to be a piece of shit, I feel like, to be, like, motivated to keep doing this constantly. Like, you probably are unpleasant to be around. That's how I'm going to refer to Mason when we're doing the interviews about this years down the road. Like, that (laughs) other guy I did the podcast with, that other freak uh, who lived in Logan Square. Uh, the album was recorded at Unicorn Studios on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood. The band was living and rehearsing in another part of the building that housed Unicorn Studios. The closing track, Damaged One, is technically Rollins's first writing credit with the band. In his book, Get in the Van, Rollins reports that he used to improvise the lyrics every night when the song was performed live. Two takes of the vocals were done, and the first was used. And last but not least, the cover art, taken by punk photographer Ed Culver, features Rollins putting his fist through a mirror. The effect was made by cracking the mirror with a hammer, while the blood, quote-unquote, that you see on Rollins' wrist is a mixture of red ink and coffee. Those are all the fast facts I have. Carter, who, what, or which is your Mercedes Valuable Player? My Mercedes Valuable Player is probably... I'm going to throw this out there... Uh, my Mercedes Valuable Player is is Greg Ginn's guitar work on this album because like okay. it's my like he's one of my favorite guitar players because like he's like emotive with the guitar rather than like being like technical. It's just that like the, this guitar sounds like a animal that is like barely being contained in a cage, and it just makes me feel like so fucking good and so crazy every time I listen to it, and it kicks ass. Mason. So here's what I'm going to preface my Mercedes Valuable. No! <laughs> Here we go. I 
uh, started a job, a new job on Wednesday. It is a eight to five. It has been taking up the time during my day when I would normally be sleeping or listening to music or prepping for the show. But I have managed to work with the schedule and find time to both watch the movie, which I did after my hour-long nap when I got home from work today uh, at 7 o'clock. And I woke up at 7 o'clock, rather, and uh, finished this movie at 8.45. Um, and I found half an hour twice to listen to this album on once on Saturday and once today on my lunch break. Saturday... I was running behind on my Halloween shopping. I had to go to the Chicago Costume costume Supply Store off of uh, Fullerton, very close to the red line. Took the bus there. I can take the bus there. Light flex. And I was like, this is a, like, I'll just get to the point that I did not have the proper experience to sit and listen and just kind of be with the music. But it was perfect for just getting, like, just just being with the kind of anger and aggression and anxiety that I've been feeling. Yeah, a lot there recently. you go. So I don't have a favorite um, lyric. Um, all of the songs kind of honestly meld together in my head. I don't think that it is a bug. I think that that is a feature. Yeah. I like that about this album. But the one moment that has that like kind of burst through. Um, uh, music moment that burst through the fog both times I listened to it was um, the bass in the beginning of No More. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Starts and get and kicks your ass yeah. because that whole that whole album up to that point is just so relentless and so aggressive. And it's like the first time that you kind of have a break, but it's only like just enough time for you to catch your breath yes. before you get right back into it. So it's Craig Dukowski. Yeah. Craig Dukowski's bass in No More is my Mercedes Valuable player. Totally. Um, full recommend for me in any case. Noah, what's your MVP? Uh, <laughs> given the yeah, he's doing the, the he's doing the, the Tim he's doing Noah's the Tim face. face. <laughs> the Noah the Noah lick. Um, I'm gonna give no 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 no. This is good. <laughs> no 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 no. This is good. This is good. Uh, I am going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player, I'm going to go abstract here, okay? I'm going to give the Mercedes Valuable Player for Damaged to the DIY-ness Hell of yeah. the experience. No, that's to exactly the, right. Oh, perfect. That's exactly right. Perfect. Giving it to the let's make art for art's sake and let's do it our way. Let's do what we think is good. Yep. If that, If you can feel that in a piece of art, regardless of the medium... I think there's something good going on there. That's absolutely what I think. So yeah, that's my Mercedes Valuable Player totally. for Damaged. I'm going to give it a regular recommend. Sure. I'm not quite at the full wholehearted recommend yet, but maybe as time goes on that'll change, but I'm not quite there yet. This is still an album I enjoyed. Hell yeah. Am I going to come back to it after the show? I don't know yet. We'll <laughs> sure. see. Sure. We'll see. So for now, regular recommend Carter do you recommend Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of the most essential American albums, period. Like, I, I think of, like, all of all right. American rock music, I don't know that there's anything uh, quite on this level for me. It's just, yeah, I fucking love it so much. Um, and I just want to say thank you for letting me on here. I have one more anecdote about the album yes. that I think you guys will think is very funny. Please. Uh, so, Henry Rollins had a shaved head 
uh, on the album cover, the iconic image of him punching the mirror. Um, and that meant that when the album was kind of going around, a bunch of racist skinheads across the right. country got the idea that this was a skinhead record and that they were like basically like closet white supremacists. And it was the start of, or maybe not the start, but it was an early iteration of racist skinheads showing up and trying to take over at punk shows and Classic. Black Flag and their other fans having to fight the skinheads. And so in response to that, as they're touring, Henry Rollins grows his hair out and it gets like super fucking long and crazy. And like there's all these amazing iconic pictures of him like sweating his ass off while he's performing and his hair is just like sopping wet. And it's just like crazy that he did it because he just wanted to turn off the skinheads and tell them to go fuck themselves. That's um, so fucking yeah, great. it's fucking great. That's just that's just a fun little detail. Another another example of skinheads being the most perceptive people in the room <laughs> at all times. Really knowing what the fuck is going on and really knowing exactly what to do at all times. Yep. So good for them. Good for them for figuring that one out. Yeah, they were getting yeah. the subliminal signal from Henry. <laughs> we want you here. Come to the show. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Carter? Fuck you Carter. for setting up this podcast two years ago. <laughs> But thank you yeah. for being the first stop on the Noah farewell tour of its own. Yeah, I am. I am here. sad that you'll be stepping away, Noah. But uh, this was a blast. I really wanted to come on and talk about this record. I'd wanted to talk about like why I think like Black Flag's art is so important on a podcast for a long time, and so I really needed this. I needed the outlet. Good, good man. Good. Well, this is the this is the reason you like anyone likes to come on a podcast is they get to plug whatever they want to plug. Now the floor is yours. Sure. Um, yeah, if uh, you're listening to this, uh, I do a podcast called Vague Booking. We have done a series this year called People's History of the Internet. Uh, it has been about the people who shaped the internet and internet culture. It's been a lot of interviewing phone hackers, been interviewing regular hackers, uh, interviewing you know people who were influential to something awful and posted on that terrible forum. Wow. Um, it's, been, it's been a fascinating mix of just like, all types of weirdos and freaks who were on the early internet and one way or another like touched how the internet came to be what it is now and it's it's kind of a depressing series because it's a reminder of like how crazy the internet used to be and how freewheeling it was versus now that it's owned by you know three companies right. um and is yeah. so enclosed but um it's 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 also hopeful because it's about like remembering like what all of this free information could be like and what it would what it could mean to like be able to share the entirety of human connection with each other the way that we're able to sure so yeah that's the long and short of it and i would love it if you would check it out are you where 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 can we find that podcast uh anywhere you get podcasts we uh listed on soundcloud but uh it's on spotify it's on all the major podcasting platforms swag Swag. Let's go. Let's go. Yes. Do, All right. Thank plugs. you, guys. I'm going to do my plugs. Everyone listen to my it. plugs. I'm going to do my plugs. You can send this show an email. You won't. You're all pussies. But you could. Everybody wants to. The number two. Get on the list at gmail.com. Maybe you've sent us something and we just haven't checked the email. I don't know. Uh, but you can do that. That is an option. Uh, send us an email. Ask us a question. We'll probably read it on the show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at it's on the list pod on Twitter and at it's on underscore the list on Instagram. Follow us for funnies, but also just actual updates about the show. We post mm -hmm. on Wednesdays on our social media what the album and the movie are going to be. So if you like to follow along, 
You can. You can watch and listen along with us if that is what you're, if that's what the voice in your head is telling you to do, is to follow along with this show for some reason. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Marger. You can, but you shouldn't. And you can follow me on Instagram at Noah.Marger. You won't, but you should. You can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast. We're in November now, folks. Very cool. Ooh, and you know what time of year that is. <laughs> you know what time of stank ass year it is when November rolls around. Ooh, baby. It's November over on my favorite podcast. Noah, the tables are turning. I will be picking the topics for the month of November. And starting us off for November, the most chaotic episode of my show that has ever been recorded. We will be talking about I Think You Should Leave with none other than Fed Busiglio. Oh, he was in the flesh. Wow. It was the two of us sitting at that table right over there, and oh, that would that would really hurt to do. <laughs> that, that, I that would one, imagine so. That one really brought me to my fucking knees. Yeah. Uh, so that will be out. Uh, that's out. That comes out on Thursday. It's wherever you get your podcasts. And there's a lot of good stuff to look forward to. I got the whole lineup coming through uh, for that one. So should be fun. No, should be a fun November over there. And then once again, if you have any spare bucks. Please go and find the GoFundMe for Jake Ellenbogen and Chris Chalakian. So sad what happened to their house slash studio. Literally would not wish that on my worst enemy. Throw him a couple bucks if you can. That is uh, truly, tr- truly tragic, to be honest yeah. with you. So, yeah, I was devastated when I saw that, when I woke up to that. It was really, really sad. It's fucked up. Yeah. So if you can, please donate. If you cannot, maybe consider sharing it, spreading the word. That's what I got as plugs. Mason, take us home. Uh, double downing, KFC double downing on the GoFundMe for everything now show. They have been on the our show, and they're good guys. They're good. It's a funny, funny, funny show, and uh, let's help them get their house back um, and help them, you know, just kind of get back to some 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 sense of normalcy there. Um, aside from that, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HotDogDebicki on Letterboxd under my name, just regular old Mason, um, on my other podcast, The Barn, a podcast about the shield, and on this either in my bed <laughs> after work or taking a walk around uh, the Merchandise Mart, where is roughly where I am these days on my lunch breaks. Um, but that's about it for me, folks. And as we always say to end out the show here, tell someone you love them this week, do something you love this week, and we will see you all next week. See you. Bye. Thank you. Sick. Thank you. Bye-bye.